Hello and welcome to episode 82 of the Film Yak Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. I'm JR. Today we're here to talk about JR's Pick, which is a movie from, depending on where you look it up, 2013 or 2014, mm. called Coherence. What, what do you think, JR? What, what year is this movie from? I mean, you know, the IMDb date is 2013, right? Because it played at festivals, but didn't get its small commercial release until 2014. Yeah. So is festival so date it's, the official date, you think, for most movies, or what? I think that's how IMDb does it. But, I mean, it, it's on my list of, like, 2014 movies, because I, you know, I couldn't see it until 2014. Ah. Fair enough. So, yeah, it's directed by James Ward Beerkit, or Burkitt, and uh, we're going to be talking about that as well as other stuff we watched. No new trailers of note, really. There is uh, one I posted yesterday of uh, has Kevin James as a neo-Nazi in it, so that's kind of interesting. <laughs> trying, to go, uh, trying to go legit, I guess, but... Uh, it's a weird, it's a weird cast with Joel McHale. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is with directors who think that, like, you know, it's... It's like they get comedians and they think there's like this dark undercurrent in their, you know, in their soul. And they're like, I can, I can get at that and get some real good dramatic stuff out of them. But it doesn't really work out most of the time, I feel like. I mean, yeah, it's a it's, that's a really fine line to walk. Because like even some of like, like I consider Robin Williams to be an amazing actor. But yeah, even, even some of his more dramatic stuff, it's kind of like, you're the genie. He did a lot of really, like, well, he, uh, straight-to-video kind of, you know, like like Jim Carrey kind of, like when yeah, Jim Carrey yeah. did that Polish police officer drama thing that he did a couple of years ago. Yeah, and um, he, Robin Williams, like, the Night Listener, I think it was called. The, and, like, the Final Cut. Yeah, Final Cut, where, yeah. He, where, like, he, like, sees an entire person's life and, like, edits, yeah. edits it together for edits something. It. <laughs> so ridiculous. Final Final Cut was one of those DVDs like you see the box art in yeah. Blockbuster yes. and you're just passing it for two years and you're finally like I'm gonna do it and then you regret it. Right. Well, I never uh, never actually pulled the trigger, so I feel good. Yeah. <laughs> was it? Am I making this up? Uh, Rob Williams is in. He's in Insomnia, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was in Insomnia. Okay. He's okay in that. I like him in I Insomnia. I like Al Pacino. Pacino's in Insomnia. really good in Insomnia. I like Pacino yeah. a lot. In it. I don't like the movie very much, but I like Pacino a lot. Yeah, like I've I've seen the original and I've seen Nolan's remake, and I think the, the problem with Insomnia is the story. It's mm. just not a very good story. I like the idea of him covering everything up, though. Like I like that whole yeah, sequence yeah. where he has to shoot the dog and everything and dig the bullet out and uh, I thought all that was really pretty good it reminded me a lot of um, there's this movie this kind of forgotten Denzel Washington thriller called Out of Time you heard of this where he plays a cop in Hawaii I think he's in Hawaii or in Florida it's oh. some kind of tropical climate he's wearing Hawaiian shirts the whole movie and he's like a detective and he he's get, he gets framed for a murder and the whole movie is like him trying to keep it from people and like trying to stay one step ahead of you know because like all the cops around him like they trust him but you know, if they find out that he did this murder, they'll try to arrest him and stuff. So he's trying to figure oh. out who the real killer is. It wasn't that bad. You know, okay. As I recall, I've seen him in like 20 years. But. Right. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. So let's just uh, jump into what we watched, I guess. Cool. Uh, oh, wait. Do you know what? There was... Is there news? There's some kind of news thing, isn't there? Oh, I guess AMC is not going to be showing Universal Films anymore, and neither is Regal. Oh. What, yeah. what was the deal so that, with that? That's like that's either the death of Universal or the death of cinema, like cinemas, it's, theaters. 
I think they're gonna get it worked out. But be, be, it's just because Universal was like, oh, Trolls 2 was successful. We might think about other digital releases. Yeah. But that, that seems there are lots of companies that sell their movies to Netflix, Hulu, um, just really like uh, IFC, all that kind of stuff. And AMC plays those movies. So I don't understand how AMC is going. Like how would a theater survive without showing movies like the fast and the furious? And I mean, these kinds yeah, of like yeah. big blockbuster movies that come out like they, get, I, I don't know. It's yeah. they can't. Which exactly. Is why I think exactly. it's a stupid power play. Yeah. I, 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 mm. I quite agree. But anyway, so I guess that was a, I feel like there was some other news item, but it doesn't matter. Um, so what we watched, who wants to begin? I'll start. Nah, Do nah. it. Okay. So let's see. I guess I'll go it. Well, oh yeah. Um, so I rewatched all of the Matrix movies. Uh, you know, just just to be be it's a classic film yak that like one of us does something and then the next week the next <laughs> well, guy yeah, does it and I mean, then the I next week to. the next guy does it and it's like a, an ongoing like you know month and a half long series yeah. of well, talking think, about the same shit over and over again <laughs> no go ahead well, i think both accidental well, matrix month like <laughs> yeah well, like both of you have already watched all of them i right? think he just watched the first didn't you just rewatch the first one for your 99 list yeah because i yeah i, I didn't want to torture myself yeah i hear you man. Right, right i wish i wouldn't have but you know yeah i mean yeah i yeah, I I didn't like the first one as much as you guys. I only I only gave it three out of three out of four because three out of five because I just I don't know. It just didn't like when I was yeah when I was a teenager it was fucking amazing. But now I'm like, eh, this this just isn't this just isn't very good. It's not very well plotted. The, it's hard to look at it objectively yeah. twenty years down the road. You know, true, true. But like, but th- but then you get around to the sequels and it's just like okay, like. Yeah, again, we're talking a 14-year-old who just found a philosophy book and thinks <laughs> thinks they know thinks they know everything about life and the universe yeah. and uh like and like yeah, like some of the some of the dialogue like I mentioned last time that whole um cooper uh comprehension is not a requisite of cooperation. It's like go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's so pretentious. I don't like that. Huh? No. <laughs> And you know, again, like you know, it's th- there's no there's no variety in the fight scenes. It's all the same stuff, only with just more Agent Smiths. Um, and I and I said this on my review on my review on Letterboxd for uh, the second one. Uh, Harold Perrineau, he's great. He's a lovely man. Yeah, I, honestly, he's probably the best thing about the second one because he's not in the third one nearly as much. But like him, like him in this movie and in uh, Romeo and Juliet, like he's so good. But I've looked on, you know, like his uh, filmography, and it's like he's gotten lost in a bunch of shitty movies. He's good in. Uh, he's in the Edge. He's really good in the Edge. I need to see that. Oh, you haven't seen the Edge? I haven't. Good God, man! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's uh, excellent as Mercutio. But yeah, I mean, like the man's a great actor, and he deserves better. So that's my review of uh, the Matrix movies. They're all they're all pretty bad. I'm okay with that. I mean, the first one, I I, I I feel like you have to give the first one a pass just because of its. I mean, it's 
undeniable uh, influence on cinema. It's a zeitgeist film, whether you want it to be or not, and uh, yeah. changed everything. And uh, yeah. I mean, it just is what it is. So. I kind of <laughs> want to watch Blade Two again because there's a lot of there's a lot of very similar camera and effects work in there. But like, uh, I also Os- don't Oscar winning director behind that one too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I remember it, it. I remember it being pretty bad. So well, uh, okay. Um, I watched the rhythm section, directed by Reed Morano and starring Blake Lively. And uh, I don't know why, but I just like thought this was going to be like kind of like a hidden gem kind of thing because everybody was saying how bad it was, and I think it had like one of the worst openings <laughs> in history. And. Uh, I know nobody likes Blake Lively and it's fun to dump on her for some reason. I don't really get it to be honest. Cause I mean, she's not, it's not, I, I get it like that. She's, she's like a pretty face and I guess you don't take her seriously as an actress, but I don't, I mean, she's, she's okay. in the stuff I've seen her and I don't know, I don't have anything against her. She was a, uh, she's great in a simple favor. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I had never, the Paul Feig movie. I hadn't seen that. Um, but she was, I thought she was okay in the town. I hated the town, but I thought she was fine in it. And I, th- I remember a lot of people hating her in that, and I, I don't really get why. Was she in Gone Baby Gone 2? Gone Baby Gone Part 2? No. <laughs> Gone Baby Gone so. as well? I don't, I don't believe so. Okay. Amy, Amy Ryan was the oh, okay, uh, okay. featured actress in that film. Right. And right. Uh, what's her face? M- Monahan, I think, was in it. Oh, right, right, right. Um, anyway, the rhythm section was. You know, it wasn't terrible. Like I don't. It's a certainly like a passable kind of uh, thriller slash. Isn't that pseudo action movie? It's got some action in it, but not not as much as you might think. I mean, you, mm. I guess you kind of want it to be like a born movie, oh. and it doesn't get nearly that intense. You know, uh, it's about this girl whose parents die in a plane crash, and then years later she's a prostitute in England, and she gets confronted by a journalist who tells her that her parents were on this plane and the plane was bombed by a terrorist and uh he wants to talk to her about it and she doesn't want to talk about it but then she goes and seeks out jude law who's like a he's a journalist contact and he's like an ex special forces uh whatever the mi6 i don't know whatever the equivalent is in england and uh he he trains her to get revenge which all sounds kind of goofy, but it's it's done in a really kind of uh, they try to be real realistic with it and not silly about it. But I don't know; it, it doesn't take enough time, in my opinion, to to get past the kind of ridiculousness of the concept. Correct Kevin? me, if, correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong. This sounds this sounds a lot like La Femme Nikita, only with more of a backstory. Yeah, I don't know. It's based on a novel from the 90s, uh, I believe. So okay. I'm not really sure. I mean, I'm, that might have been an influence on the novelist or something. I okay. But yeah, I guess it's it's similar to that. I mean, she's not really like a hardened criminal okay. like she is in La Femme Nikita. She murders a cop, doesn't she, in La Femme Nikita? But yeah. anyways, uh, this is... Uh, this. I'll say the two things that, that are like high points for the film, I would say, are uh, there's a... Well, the cinematography of this movie looks really, really good. It's uh, shot by Sean Bobbitt, who is um, Steve McQueen's cinematographer. Oh. And it looks like a Steve McQueen movie. It looks really, really kind of, uh, I don't know what you call it, like stark and just minimal and beautiful. I don't know. It looks really, really nice. And then there's a uh, one-take car chase that seems to be done without CG in the middle of the film. It's pretty impressive, and it seems like Blake Lively, Lively is driving the car most of the time. And uh, so I, I respect that. 
and uh, it was that was entertaining. And the rest of the film is you know so so, but it's it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. I gave it a three out of five. If you have time, you know, check it out. Cool. Jr. All right, I got a uh, a 2020 movie as well. I watched uh, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Um, Eliza Hitman's you know, very low-key indie drama about a 17-year-old girl in rural Pennsylvania who discovers she's pregnant and uh, she can't get an abortion in town because uh, you know the only clinic is one of those fake clinics, the uh, faith-based ones, where they get you in there to then give you literature about why you shouldn't have an abortion. Uh, so she and her best friend hop a bus to New York City and try to see the doctors there. And um, this girl's played by Sydney Flanagan, whom I never heard of, and apparently is, is the only thing she's done. But uh, she is really, she's very good. It is a very quiet, understated performance. Um, and the movie is very good when we are with just her dealing directly with the problem. Like uh, when she is getting the hard sell from those faith-based uh, non-doctors. It's great. Um at the first New York City doctor discovering she's further along than she was initially told. Uh, there's a sequence that gives the movie its name that is uh, very powerful. And then it's uh, it's much less interesting when we're dealing with uh, the friendship, of the, the girl that goes with her to New York City. And uh, too much of the movie spends time focusing on this friendship. It's There's nothing like the girl who plays this friend, Tally Ryder, is fine. The actor's fine. But um, it's like this part of the movie where hitman just kind of like throws in a bunch of uh, we'll call them narrative contrivances that the movie didn't need it was already like doing great things just with um the one sydney flanagan character and uh yeah and then it leads to like this uh you know big emotional climax that i don't think the movie earns because the stuff with the friends isn't good enough but also also one that you know people should watch just because it's going to be a lot of people's favorite movie of of uh, 2020 because it's going to be one of the only acclaimed movies to come out in 2020. One of the only movies but, to come out in 2020. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I gave it three and a half. Cool. Oh, that's what the other news was. Now uh-huh. that we're talking about 2020 movies. Uh, uh, Spike Lee's The Five Bloods coming to oh, Netflix yeah. in June. Oh, the new okay. Spike Lee joint. I'm excited. It's a Vietnam film. Oh, nice. Very happy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kevin. <laughs> okay. So I rewatched uh, Coppola's The Conversation, uh, sort of trying to fill out the uh, John Cazale filmography. Um, I forget he's in that. Yeah. Like, he, he is, like, very underutilized in this movie. Um, he's only in five films. Yeah. And, like... <laughs> Yeah, like he's he's in five films. All of them were nominated for best for best picture at some the Academy of, some Awards. Of the one, I believe Godfather won best. Picture, yeah, um, I, I think he's like he's technically also technically in part three, even though it's oh, like, like stock, stock footage. footage. Whatever, yeah, because yeah, like that's the that's the weird thing about Letterbox. Like they it'll say that he was in it. It'll say that he was in it, and it'll count like you know, like if somebody's in like a documentary for like five minutes like oh this is part of his filmography it's sure. like no it's not it, sh- it should be like it should track. be a you know some sort of anyway 
they do, they do like automated uh, information polling from oh. some website called TMDB. Uh, that is like it's like IMDb, but it's the open information source on TMDB is user edited. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, okay. uh, whereas IMDb can put like the little tag on it that says like stock footage behind the person on right. TMDB, people just put the person on there. Okay. That's, yeah. that's the issue. Yeah. Like, like one of the, one of the problems that I ran into was like, I was the other day I was watching a bunch of, uh, Sylvain Chomet's, uh, short stuff. And a lot of it's just, a lot of it was just music videos and like they have like his sequence in uh Paris Tem as like a separate sequence a separate film um which, Oh right yeah they'll do yeah. that too. I actually it's funny that you mentioned that cuz uh we were watching my buddy Rustin is just uh constantly forcing mystery science theater down my throat and uh we watched one called uh something at the memory bank Anyways, it was a uh, it was a Raul Julia is in it. Oh right! So I was like, oh, that's interesting. And so I watched it, and it's like TV level quality. So I'm like, oh, this must have been like a TV show or something. So I looked it up, and I literally could not find it. I was like, where the fuck is this? Day? It's not on <laughs> Raul Julia's uh, his IMDb. I was like, it's not there. So then I started looking at like the year that it came out, like what he had done that year, and he did a show called like American Theater or something. Yeah, and it's yeah. like a, it's an episode of that show. Right, right, right. Yeah, and so I was like, oh, that's weird. And then it, what's weird is that guess what is it? Guess what else is an episode of that show? The, oh, the Ballad of Gregorio Cortez. <laughs> Like the Criterion Western with Edward James almost is an episode oh of that goodness. show. But it's what's weird is that it's listed as an episode of the show. It has its own page as an episode of that show. Uh-huh. And then the actual film, The Ballad of Gregorio Cortez, has a separate IMDb page. But they're the same thing. It's like really bizarre. I don't I don't get it at all. I wonder if that's, there's like features on the Blu-ray that talk about it or something. That's a great question. But anyway, sorry. That was yeah. just So yeah, the conversation. My biggest problem with the conversation is Gene Hackman. Mm. Because like hot take yeah uh, so here's so hackman is you know his character is this sound engineer who's like who can bug literally anything anywhere anytime and so like his conflict in the movie is like he thinks that his work um led to murders and so, like, he's trying to, like, he's trying to avoid that happening again. But my problem with Hackman and his his performance, it's like he's not old enough to be a doddering old man, and he's not young enough to be, you know, idealistic. He's, like, right in the middle where, like, you would think he's just this, like, hard-nosed professional and like sometimes he is, but sometimes he isn't. It's real. It's a really inconsistent performance, I think. Hmm. And for me, that takes away from a lot of the movie because, like, you know, when he's trying to be like really like emotional and stuff, and have have these these scenes, it just doesn't come across because it's like, no, you're you're Gene Hackman. You're you're not emotional. Or at least, you know, we well, have He gets angry sometimes. Yeah, he gets angry. Like, yeah, like, you know, that's what you expect from him, but it's... This is my town! Right? Yeah. Quick in the dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, man, but when he's trying to do these, like, really, like, um, uh, like, vulnerable type mm. scenes, I, I just don't 
it just for me it just doesn't seem like he's pulling it off. It's been so long since I've seen it. I don't recall it, his performance even yeah. very much. Yeah, and like I I personally could have done a lot more with like the kind of like like there's a scene where he's like taking like three tape reels and like putting together one master reel to deliver to the client and like you know he's like panning left and right, you know, following the microphones around as they're following the couple that they're bugging. And it's like, I could have done with a lot more of that, you know, you know, like, uh, like that scene in, uh, blow up where Travolta's like putting together the movie and then puts blow together out. the sound sa- blow out. Sorry. It's okay. Uh, yeah. Procedural so, procedural. Like sure. I could have done with a lot more of that instead of like, there's a long, long scene where like, um, Hackman, like, like Kazali has already like had it with Hackman and so he's quit and gone to work for the competition. And so they meet up again at this conference for like uh, audio and video surveillance people. And then they all go back to Hackman's, you know, secret lair for some reason to have a party. And they're like listening to his stuff and they're trying to get him to like, hey, you know, you did this back when. Like, tell me how you did it. And it's like, it's so, for me, it was like so inconsistent with what they were trying to portray his character to be. It's like he never, like you know, like he never would have brought somebody back to his his work office for a party. Hmm. Yeah. What'd you yes. give it? Uh, Three point seven five. Do you I like mean, blow out more? Yes, actually. Do you like blow up more? I haven't seen blow up. Oh <laughs> Jesus! I've I've been meaning to like forever, but that's the uh, yeah, big, just that's ha- the Big Daddy right there. Yeah. yeah, gotta see that one. Yeah, actually, it's got the Yardbirds in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually haven't seen any Antonioni movie. What? You haven't seen The Passenger? No. Oh, this is insane. This is insane. That is insane. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. The Passenger is I know. amazing. I always wanted to watch Zabriskie Point because Pink Floyd did the soundtrack for it. I hear it. that one's not good, actually. <laughs> Don't. Well, yeah. well, yeah, like, oh, yeah, Jonathan talked about it. Yeah, Jonathan show, talked yeah. about it, and he just took a shit all over yeah. it. <laughs> so I really like that, that shit was well-deserved. Yeah. <laughs> I do not get that one. Blow Up and the Passenger yeah. are great. And okay, I, yeah. I, a lot of people say Red Desert is really good, but I didn't care for it, but I didn't okay. really watch it. Yeah, like there are a lot of like Italian filmmakers that I kind of have a blind spot on, like, I've only seen like one Visconti movie. Um, I mean, that's fair. I haven't yeah, seen yeah. any Visconti movies. I haven't. Se- I've only seen one Fellini. No, I've seen two Fellini films. Yeah, I, I mean, s- it's just like I'm not. I'm not well versed either. But I mean, yeah. Antonioni is like. I don't know. He's just more. I guess he's more uh, represented in 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 um, like the Criterion Collection has like a, a lot of his fucking movies. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not that they don't have a lot of Fellini. Also, they do, but yeah. And Visconti, and yeah, sure, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, and I've only seen I've only seen one Pasolini movie. Um, oh, Pasolini, I, he's another one. Yeah. I I started watching. What did I start watching? I want to say it was like. <sighs> They're just about to release uh, Arabian Nights or something. Teorema or Teorema or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really anxious anyway. to see that. Yeah, <clears throat> but um, yeah. I always like Pasolini a lot more so than the other Italians, but. Again, haven't seen most of his films. Have seen you know a handful, five or six. Right. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I rewatched. Uh, speaking of Criterion, went on the Criterion channel and rewatched With Nail and I. Uh, 
which I don't, Kevin, how is this not your favorite movie of all time? <laughs> this is a, this is like such a British comedy that works like really, it's just actually funny. Like this is really good. <laughs> you know, not like your wow. Monty Python bullshit. Like this is actually funny stuff, man. <laughs> All right, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, no, I'm just kidding around. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. I really, really enjoyed it uh, rewatching. I hadn't seen it in like probably 15 years. I mean, it's been a long time. Mm. And uh, I really, really liked it a lot. Um, Richard E. Grant is amazing in it. Uh, but the other guy is good, too. I forget his name. But the other fellow. Paul McGann. Yeah, Paul McGann. He's terrific as well. And, and the uh, the fellow who plays the uncle from Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. He's yeah, good, yeah. too. Um yeah, I don't know. It's just a really I found it very very funny and amusing and all the parts that I remember laughing at when I was younger just as funny now. It's really really good. I love all the line deliveries. I love uh I love how Richard E. Grant is like a total asshole until he comes up against somebody who he's scared of and then he becomes like a little bitch and <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just terrific. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, Four and a half, brother. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. I, I've been meaning to uh, get to um, Robinson's second film, uh, How to Get Ahead in Advertising, which is on Criterion Channel. Mm. But it's complicated. I'm in my living room a lot, and I don't have an Apple TV in there yet. I will buy one soon, and then I'll have Criterion Channel in my living room. I can watch those kinds of movies during the day right? instead of having to sequester in my room. Mm. I love how to get ahead in advertising. I'm really excited to check it out. I've never seen it, so and I hated the Rum Diary. <laughs> oh, he well, did that one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was like supposed to be like his comeback, but it you know tanked, of course, because nobody gives a shit. Yeah, I mean, and it's bad. And I haven't seen. Yeah. I he did something else in between that. I can't remember. Right. Yeah, I can't remember what it was, but something. Anyway, not a not a prolific guy. No, not at all. Um, not at all. Jr. All right, more uh, more 2020. I watched the uh, new version, new adaptation of Emma, starring uh, Anya Taylor Joy as Emma, and uh, yeah, she's just like this uh, bratty, spoiled socialite, and it's a clever little story of uh, you know like romantic flirtations and Emma having just attended the marriage of a match she introduced decides that she knows what's romantically best for everyone around her. And it takes a very long time for her to really uh, hear that maybe that's not true. Um, but it's one of those adaptations where everyone talks real fast. Um, the costumes and sets are like, they're all a very kind of like exaggerated, just gaudy that kind of heighten the silliness of the things these rich people take so seriously. And uh, the music is at turns both uh, brilliant and awful. It's really great when it's doing... You know, like Victorian uh, classical music, kind of in the same way. It, let's see. No, I, it's uh, yeah, it's just music that heightens the melodrama, and it's really good. And it's really bad when, in the more serious moments, it goes uh, like hardcore uh, folk, <laughs> like folk music with uh, vocals. It's uh, like Fleet Foxes. It's a weird choice. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, but worse. <laughs> oh, oh, Jesus. Worse than um, Foxes. It's it's just a weird decision. <laughs> I do not like it, uh, but I do love Anya Taylor Joy. She is great, and uh, that's what matters most because it's all about her. Uh, like Mia Goth and Johnny Flynn are both good as like a 
friend and love interest respectively and then bill nighy is emma's father which and he's great he's hilarious um yeah it's a austin adaptation feels pretty moderate even though the setting and austin's words are clearly not and uh this might be like quarantine inflation but i give it a four out of five it's a it's just enjoyable breeze Definite quarantine inflation there. Uh, no, I haven't seen it. I don't know. Kevin? So, uh, <clears throat> I went back and rewatched all of the Indiana Jones films, and I made a ranked list. <laughs> so, one thing I, one thing I will say, um, like, so, for forever and a day, I would have sworn up and down that Raiders was the best. And That's because it is. Yeah. Go ahead. Right. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Last Crusade is definitely is is definitely better. Now you're wrong. Now, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> well, well. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I gave I gave Raiders four, but I gave Last Crusade four and a half. So well, it's, look at look so at who we're is, talking to though. Here it's Kevin. It's Mister Anglophile British man, and look who's in number three, Sean Connery. Connery. <laughs> of course, you like Crusade the best. Of course, you're just gonna know, uh, you're just gonna no sell Julian Glover. Oh my god! I don't even know who the fuck that is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is he the villain? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I remember the thing about the thing about that that film in particular because I rewatched all of these uh, a few years ago, and uh, whenever I fr- saw um, Crystal Skull for the first time, mm. went back and watched the first three also. Right. And what I recall is that. Uh, the last scene, I remember thinking the last scene was going to like blow me away, like the whole uh, the night thing and the goblet and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, it just didn't it didn't work for me as such. I I didn't I remember thinking it was way more like I don't know maybe like a more creepy ominous kind of thing, and it's just kind of yeah. you know Disneyfied Spielberg, you know, like he does, you know. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean, like there is there is something about like um, so you've got raiders, and then you have them doing something totally and wildly different with uh temple of doom and then they kind of go back to the uh go back to the well with last crusade like it's 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 uh plotted out very similarly to um to raiders which you know um you could you could argue goods and bads but like i i liked i really liked the interaction between harrison ford and sean connery i liked connery's doddering old old fool kind of character um, and I I liked when Harrison Ford punches the guy and throws him out of the throws him out of the Zeppelin. No ticket. A classic, classic classic moment. Yes, of the and, franchise. And the scene where he's like he he retrieves his father's diary and he's like trying to trying to get out and then he like comes face to face with Adolf Hitler and Hitler gives him an autograph. Um, but uh, yeah. So what's the ranking? So for me, it goes Last Crusade, Raiders, then Temple of Doom, then Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls. Now I know a lot of people will just totally disown Kingdom of Crystal Skulls, and yes, it skull. is skull, whatever. It's okay, it, just say Smith of Jones or something. It don't matter. <laughs> so I know a lot of people will totally disown the last one because you know, and yes, it is horrible. I gave it a one because it's really, really bad. Hmm. But what I think a lot of people forget is how terrible and racist and just ridiculously dark, unnecessarily dark, 
Temple of Doom is. Like it's very violent. Yeah, I very very that. violent. Like you know, pulling you know, pulling out hearts. Even in the and, first scene, and, he like and, you know, shish kebabs the guy in the heart, and like there's people getting shot and blood everywhere. It's yeah. a very violent picture. Yeah, and for like, a PG, this is this is one of the problems I have with Spielberg. Is that well, this, no, this, this was the this uh, the first PG thirteen. Oh, well, um, he, oh okay, that's another problem I have with Spielberg. Yeah, I know. He I know. creates the PG thirteen rating. Because he goes in there and, and talks to the MPAA. Oh, guys, I don't want an R rating. Let's let's create a new rating. Oh, no problem, Mr. Spielberg. You're the King Hollywood. You do whatever the fuck you want. Fuck Spielberg and the <laughs> asshole till he's dead. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> but yes, um, yeah, like, even though, like, Temple of Doom, I think, is a better made movie, like, the, the just... Than what? Than... Than Skull? Than, yeah, Crystal Skull. Okay, go ahead. Well, like I, I have so many problems with Crystal Skull. Like it, it, it open like the fact that they're playing all the like period music, like the Elvis and stuff. It's like no, we don't need that. And now, you have to know this then, is in the fifties, Kevin. <sighs> you don't know that unless they play Elvis. <laughs> sure, the cars because everyone the wardrobe is not. Uh, Shia LaBeouf's greaser look is not enough to know. <laughs> yeah, and you want to talk about some sh- like. I, I went in expecting to hate Shia LaBeouf in this. I don't hate him he's, in this, but I hate everything. I hate his lines. <laughs> I hate I hate the dialogue that they came up with for him because mm. it's it's really fucking bad. Um, but yes, and but like, yeah, Temple of like Temple of Doom is also really bad. And you just, know, I think uh, David David Kep wrote uh, King Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Did he? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, or he did like rewrites on it. Mm. And uh, he is one of my favorite big, big Hollywood screenwriters because ah. he wrote Snake Eyes and Carlito's Way. Right. I know uh, Tom Stoppard. I don't know. I don't remember if he was credited, but I know he did like extensive rewrites on uh, Last Crusade. Yeah, Kep wrote it. What? Why? Just because he's British? Yeah. That's all you need. We needed a Brit in there to. That's Spielberg. That's Spielberg's Sean. thinking. Let's just hire a British guy, British playwright. He'll do it. Well, I mean. It's Tom Stoppard. Yeah. I don't, like, what else do you need? Like, the fact that you've well, got Tom Stoppard writing your movie for you. You like, would think the wrong? movie would be better. You would think. <laughs> I'm well, one of I these, mean, I'm not one of these, I'm not a, um, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of uh, fandom for Indiana Jones, and I'm not uh, a big fan of any of the films, really. And I, mm. that's why when I watch Crystal Skull, I don't really see how it's that much worse than any of the other ones. I mean, they're they're kind of all very similar. I could I could point out technical things that I dislike about Chris Skull. Like I think he shouldn't have used Janusz Kaminski as his DP because it makes the film look entirely different from the other three, which is a mistake. Yeah, and it's it's a glaring mistake too. Yeah, and he uses a lot of CG, which I think is also a mistake. But mm. you know, I think that they just wrote themselves beyond. The fact that it's aliens and the fact that the you know the swinging yeah. with the monkeys thing is like you, how are you going to achieve that without CG? Yeah, and like and so they just fuck themselves. That's all. Yeah, and like one of the one of the like inconsistencies I think with all of the movies is like they kind of like forget that. So like in the first one, Raiders, they've proven beyond a doubt God exists. Now. This doesn't seem to inform anything or anyone's decisions going forward. I mean, now, uh, now, now, yeah, yes, that's a nitpick, but at the no, same, I don't know that you could read it as God exists, though. Yeah, I mean, you can, but I don't know if that's how you have to read it. 
so this this arc just has powers of its own. I mean, it could be lots of things. It could be any any number of. Uh, doesn't have to be the Hebrew God is real and the Bible is telling the truth. And I mean, I don't know. I I, I understand what you're saying, though. Yeah, yeah. A, I'm, well, sure I, I, the, I'm sure the ancient aliens people think they won that one based on where <laughs> yeah. Crystal Skull won. Right, right. In the, in the yeah. Indiana Jones universe, okay, uh, yeah. there is I, such I, a thing as witchcraft and it's real yeah, and God yeah. is real and aliens are real. And yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like they, I think I feel like they could have played that up a little bit more. But where like, are they going to go supernaturally with the fifth one? Is the question. God. And George Lucas is involved. Knows. So, oh, I mean that's that's Indiana probably... Jones is dead because how goofy is it going to? Get... I mean, yeah, how goofy is it going to be that? I mean, he was old as shit in the fourth yeah. one, and now it's what is it? Uh, Fifteen years later, <laughs> and he's going to do another one. He's in his mid seventies. No, don't do it. It's just I don't see how it's going to work very well. Him yeah. jumping that movie around. The movie's from two thousand eight. No. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. 2008, 12 years old. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that too uh, when I was watching. Yeah, 2008. I was watching something and it was from 05, and I was like, "Holy sh!" Oh, is a, uh, it was Collateral from 04, and I was like, "Jesus Christ!" This movie came out 16 fucking years ago. Like, yeah. it's that's insane. Yeah, like, yeah. I so. could go to theaters by myself 16 years ago. Oh my god. <laughs> I know, right? Me too. Yeah, it's gross. And I think they tried to make him. They made Tom Cruise look old in that movie. Oh yeah. And when you look, actually look at it, he's like in his late thirties or something. Like he's not old at all. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, you know, like he looks about. At, you know, <laughs> it's pretty much the same now. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. He takes good care of himself. Yeah, he does. All right. Well. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I guess keeping it on a uh, well, Jr. and I anyway, keeping it on a modern day track. I watched Extraction, the new film from uh, Netflix, and Chris Hemsworth. Mm-hmm. And so you written by the Russo brothers. I didn't. I didn't know you watched this. And I didn't see your rating. Oh, sorry. Uh, but for all the shit you give me for watching these weird new movies, yeah. or these bad new movies, I'm I'm very surprised that you went here. Look, no one is more surprised than I am, Jr. <laughs> Okay, this was not a movie that was... uh, It was on my radar. I understood that it existed, and I heard a lot of things about it, but nothing that I cared about. And it wasn't something that I wanted to watch. I hate Chris Hemsworth. I think he's a void of charisma. I hate the Avengers. I hate the Russo brothers. And uh, I kind of hate modern action cinema. I think it's trash. But uh, my buddy Rustin watched this movie, half of it anyway, and he's like, it's okay. It's got some good blood stuff in it. Blah blah blah. And I'm, he's like, it's like not, you know, it's like an hour and forty or something. But then it's not. It's like I thought it was like two hours long. But then apparently, but then I got to the end of it. And it's like fourteen solid minutes of credits. Jeez. So, but um, anyways, I watched. I'd show you. know, I was like, I got nothing else to do. I'm in quarantine. I'm doing nothing all day. I'm watching my kid. I put it on in the background to support sort of you know. And I watched it. And it's uh, you know, it's not good exactly. But it's certainly like a fine, disposable action movie that you can put on on a Sunday afternoon and forget about it, that it exists and come in every once in a while and seeing you know heads explode. And <laughs> it's very violent. There's a lot of shooting, a lot of just kind of an absurd amount, like a Schwarzenegger 80s level of you know one man killing lots of people. So it's like Chris Hemsworth just against the entire uh, this entire Indian city. And uh, all the cops are descending on him and uh, the military, and he's just killing people indiscriminately. He doesn't care. You know, they're just following their orders. They don't know what's going on. He's murdering them. You know, he's breaking their <laughs> backs with his knee and shit. It's, 
pretty brutal and ridiculous. And I, he's trying to he's trying to save this small boy, you know, because his life is more important than the hundred and fifty thousand people he kills. Uh, but anyway, because uh, he's got a job to do, and you know what, his son died, and he couldn't save him, so he's got to save this boy. <laughs> so you could, it's pretty telegraphed. Uh, but uh, there are some there. There actually are some good uh, blood squib moments. I'm a blood squib guy. I love uh, violence in cinema, and there's a few moments that are okay in this. And uh, overall, it's you know generically entertaining. And uh, so yeah, that's. I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about it. I might rewatch it like six years from now when I have <laughs> nothing else to do, and I'm in the mood for like I want to play a shooter, but I'm not in the mood to play the shooter. I watch a movie like this; it gets you in the mood to play a shooter. You see, like okay. after I watch Sicario, all I want to do is play Ghost Recon Wildlands and go kill some cartel members. You know what I mean? That's what I'm into. It's fun. I I have two I have two things. Do it. <laughs> First thing. Is there any indication that um, Extraction is set in the same universe as Action Dads, the other Netflix movie, whose I, name I can never remember? I don't know what Action Dads is. Never heard of it. it. The you know the we all watched it. It had Ben Affleck. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> oh, Triple Frontier. <laughs> Triple Frontier. Sorry. That's so. That's so. That the director of Triple Frontier, J.C. Shandor, has directed good films. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, but that movie is just action dads. No, it's forever. it's pretty bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was bad. No, uh, there's no there's no but, indication, and I would say that Extraction was definitely more entertaining than Action Dads, as you call it. Okay. I mean, it's more of an action movie. Uh, uh, Triple Frontier is is like a, trying to be a thriller, I guess, but it's not really thrilling. It wanted to be Sicario so bad. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely um, limping yeah. along in that direction. My second yeah. thing is that. Your review of this convinces me that I just need to start lying to you. I just need to be like, <laughs> what? Like, you really need to check out the blood squibs and never, rarely, sometimes, always. Uh, <laughs> just you're gonna, you're gonna fucking love it. I <laughs> want to see never, rarely, sometimes, always. I I don't feel like paying seven or eight dollars to watch it. And honestly, I've got so many other movies I'm I'm, I'm like that are on the queue right now, man. I mean, I just got like I. I to be honest, I'm buying. Uh, I'm sure you guys might have seen on my social media that I'm buying clear cases and replacing all my Blu-ray cases with clear cases. I'm going clear. Yeah. Right, right. This right. feels crazy. Well, it's way. it's happening. I'm 36 deep right now, so <laughs> <laughs> it's only cost me about 50 bucks so far. So uh, you know, another another three four hundred dollars, I'll be done. But um, what? <laughs> what? I don't know why. I'm not going to ask why. Yes, why? Well, <laughs> I think it looks better. Anyway, and plus there's more consistency. Like, they're all the exact same case, whereas, like, now I have cases that have, like, the snap thing that open them and then uh, other ones that are, yeah. like... Are they are they making... Is that just how Blu-rays are made now? What do you mean? Like, do they all come in clear cases now? No, not at all. No, I think, I think only, it's... Only, like, Twilight Time. And honestly, mm. Twilight Time has, has only been doing it for a few years. Like, their yeah, stuff used to be blue also. Yeah, because they kind of changed so, up what they're doing... Um, so you can't replace everything. What do you mean? Well, you probably like not every blue case can be replaced, right? All the blue cases can. Yeah. I don't see why not. The only ones I can't replace with clear cases are the digi books and the steel books. Why wouldn't I be so, able to replace the, the blue cases? Because I thought not every, like, are you buying just like blank blue cases? I'm buying blank clear cases. Blank. Oh, okay. All right. 12.5 millimeter elite cases. 
Okay. I thought you were buying the movie over again. Oh, fuck no. God, no. That is insane. I really, well, <laughs> first, I was really confused. And second, I was like, man, he's got a great, great fucking deal on those first 36 movies. Holy shit. No, right? no, 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 no. <laughs> buying cases, man. Clear cases yeah. in right. bulk. Okay, okay. 25 at a time. I'm crushing it, brother. Okay, this is still this is still insane, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, no, it's nuts. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I, 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 I mean, I honestly, the more I do it, I get to these movies that I really don't care about what case they're in. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And then like, and then like certain ones, uh, they'll have like, uh, I really hate it. They have this blue strip at the top of the art that says Blu-ray plus DVD plus digital copy, and I'm just uh. like, I don't want that on there at all. It, make, it looks like shit against the clear or the blue. It looks terrible. But, you know, what, what can you do? I, I, I seriously, because I was like, I need to go and get, like, a high-quality printer and reprint the art for these without that strip. <laughs> but that's going too far, I think. Anyway, um, like I said, I will watch uh, Rarely Always Abortion Movie. I will check it out. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm done talking about extraction, though, if you want to continue. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I think I'm I'm out of I'm out of new movies, so I'll just go to uh, the the bad movie I watched. Mm. Um, so yeah, I was doing like a big 1999 project with some friends, and uh, that's over now. We moved on to 2005. Ooh, so I noticed that. Probably. I noticed you rewatching Jarhead and whatever else you're on. <laughs> Mirror, like yeah, so far uh, with Jarhead, Mirror Mask, and everything is illuminated. Uh, it's not a not a great year. <laughs> it's for a my weak weak year favorites. so far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I loved all those movies. Anytime you like, see, yeah. anytime you see Jr. logging movies as rewatches, he's doing a ranked year list. You know, oh, okay. <laughs> basically. Uh, okay, so one of the last things I watched for 1999 uh, was Bicentennial Man, starring uh, our man Robin Williams, yeah, great actor. And uh, <laughs> I had never, I had never seen this, and um, you hadn't. No, I remember it being fascinating, oh. fascinated by its existence, like as a teenager. <laughs> right. Um, and then I forgot about it. Ah. And then I saw it when I was looking for uh, Boys Don't Cry on HBO Go. I saw Bicentennial Man was on there. So I was like, let's make a bad decision. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Robin Williams is an android with a Pinocchio complex. Um, it's a movie that spans multiple centuries for some godforsaken reason. And it's uh, it's just pure fucking schmaltz from beginning to end and i don't know what the fuck anyone was thinking um and because it's it spans all this time we get very few like details that make something like nothing is ever interesting because we we just fly by all of it uh and this is you know this movie's over two hours and you feel every fucking second (laughs) but feel like we never learn anything about um anything we know that uh, Robin Williams' android is brilliant because he's a robot, uh, and then he makes his own money, but we don't learn until like an hour after he decides to start working on his own that he has invented thousands of products that like lengthen human lives. <laughs> he makes, he makes uh, fucking organs, and they, just, oh. they didn't think to tell us that in the beginning. It's just really weird. Um, and it, yeah, it's a disaster of pacing, performance, and old age makeup, and no one should ever watch this. <laughs> Bummer, man. Whew. Wasn't it nominated for an Oscar for makeup? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yes, it was. is is not a good nomination. Brutal. That's too bad. 
Ouch. What's your? Are you making a ranked list for ninety nine? Yeah, I, well, and I uh, I already had a, a ninety nine list up at Letterboxd. Uh, but now you so, can redo it because you rewatched everything. Yeah. Well, no, I, mean, I, I tinkered with it all throughout uh, this project. Oh, nice. It just didn't. It didn't re-upload. You know, it doesn't. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't go onto your activity feed because it wasn't like a new so a new list. Go back and what's your favorite up from ninety nine? Uh, top drawer, ninety nine. <laughs> uh, my favorite from ninety nine. It's still a four hour documentary. <laughs> so my favorite uh, real movie from ninety nine is is Audition. Oh, okay. oh wow, Audition. Okay, that's what, interesting. So what's this four hour documentary? Uh, Belfast, Maine. It's a Frederick Wiseman documentary. Oh, okay. I did uh, Tidica Follies and right, high school right. and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Cool. Well, I will have to. Look at that! I have all of his films downloaded. Oh, finally? No, I've, they've been downloaded. I just haven't oh, watched okay. them all. Okay. I only watched two of them, but I like them both a yeah. lot. I right. recommend that to everyone when you have four hours. <laughs> yeah. So a couple of his films are on Canopy, also. Right. Um, yeah. I saw like Ex Libris is on there. And I think at Berkeley's might be on there too. Oh, okay. Perhaps his his newer ones are. Some of the older ones were, if they're not still. But I don't mm. think Belfast Maine is on there. Maybe it is. Okay. All right, Kevin. Okay, so I rewatched Mortal Kombat because uh, after watching all the Indiana Jones movies, my Netflix, uh, you know, <laughs> recommended for you is all all action movies now. Sure. Yep. Um, yep. So I was like, yeah, let me let me watch Mortal Kombat again, and uh, like I've actually seen it like a bajillion times because you know I watched it a bunch when I was a teenager, and um, uh, you know, like thought it was amazing and you know as the years have gone by I'm like this is ridiculous that's poorly that's poorly done and uh my my latest my latest uh thing now having watched a lot of like actual legitimate martial arts is um so number number 1 Mortal Kombat is a quote unquote tournament but there are no brackets um, there's no, there's no set thing of who's facing who. It's all pretty random. Um, which is, you know, funny that they call it a tournament. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, let's see what else. Um, yeah, the, m- most of the dialogue is pretty bad. Didn't need to be there. Uh, it's, it's, a, a lot of the editing could have been tightened up a lot more, I think. Because uh, there are a lot of like weird pauses, like like especially for uh, Carrie uh, Tagawa who plays uh, Shang Tsung. There are a lot of like like notice noticeable pauses before he actually delivers certain lines, and it's like okay, y'all could have like chopped that up a little a little closer, I think. Um, but then uh, then you come to Goro, you know, who's got four arms. Four arms and the quote-unquote greatest martial artist the world has to offer. Everyone wants to box with with a creature that has four arms. Should attack the legs, am I right? Yeah. You saw my letterbox review. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, get a heel hook or something. A heel hook. This for, guy. For real. I mean, well, like, that's the thing. Like, you know... He's got du- like like I said in my letterbox review. He's got double the upper body to the lower body, so like, you know, just go for the go for the legs. Like, 
attack the ankles, attack the knees, take that fucker down. That's but, fair. but like, but like, I, but again, like, apparently there's like, like, uh, I, I was telling my brother the other day, like one of the things I loved about, uh, fat city as a boxing movie was there weren't there. I think there are some knockouts in it, but there aren't a lot of notable knockouts. A lot of, uh, Stacy Keach's wins or losses come by decision. So it's up to the, the judges realistic. Yeah. It's more, it's more realistic. And I think that, that paints, that paints a better picture. And I, I think, you know, with the right uh, storyteller, you can do a lot with that. So, like, in Mortal Kombat, there are no submissions. No one's trying to, like, break somebody's arm. They just kick and punch Aren't the shit out of to each the other. Death? Well, well, Kevin, sort in, of. in the game, in the game, there are fatalities and animalities. Anim- there are no decisions. Animalities? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's just a great game, isn't it? Yeah. But you know, I mean, I yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's realistic. Uh, you too, know, it yeah. has nothing to do with anything. Nothing matters. So, <laughs> I don't. But I don't yeah, these are just, these are just all random thoughts going through my head while I'm watching. So you pe- did not like this movie. Two and a half. It's not very good. I. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but. So you are not a card carrying member of the Paul W S Anderson cult. I. I is that who true? is? Who is? Rustin, probably. No, Rustin. Does Lots of people like on the him. internet oh. who take him seriously for some reason. <laughs> well, didn't have you seen Pompey? <laughs> he did that. I mean, he's a step up from Uwe Boll, I guess. You know, he's better than him. <laughs> he, he is, right? Slightly. Yeah, yeah. I, off the top of my head, I can't think of another movie that he's done that I've seen. I always wanted to watch that Resident Jude Evil. Law movie, Shopping, that he did. Have you ever seen that, Jr.? No, I haven't. I've always wanted to see that. I don't know why. It just seemed interesting to me. Is this like, just a regular drama? Yeah, it's like a crime film. Oh, okay. It's like in the future. And he or did something. the. Uh, I think the last adaptation of the Musketeer story was. Oh right, right, right. That was oh, in like right, right. 2011 or something. Okay. Maybe it was later. I don't remember. Yeah, that looked like shit too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jr. I am literally going through your list for this. Your all of your lists for the second time now, and I cannot find your list from '99. Are you sure Did it's you? public? No, I'm not actually. It's not because I've literally gone through all 14 pages of your list twice, and I cannot. There's more than it. 14 pages. There's only 14 pages. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, wh- why? So why are you doing this? I'm just trying right to now? see your 99 list while he was okay. uh, talking. Right. I want to listen to what he says about this bullshit movie. I'm, right, I'm sorry. I'm going ma- to make it public right now. Hey, thanks, bud. Okay. Uh, well, I watched. Um, I like, what the fuck? You submissions. Oh, Get out of here with that bullshit. Uh, I got a. I got a. I got a random text from our co-host Jr. Uh, just chastising me and uh, impugning me to watch The Draftsman by Peter Greenaway. He told me not to fuck oh. it up because it was going away soon. And uh, I'm so glad I didn't fuck it up. I I watched The Draftsman Contract from 1982, which is Peter ah. Greenaway's first film. And uh, I liked it quite so, a bit. Sort of. Yeah. Oh, sort of okay. okay. <laughs> well, it's his first uh, f- narrative feature, fic- totally yeah. fictional, right? Something like that. Yeah. Oh, Anyways. this was the guy who just did that uh, that docudrama on uh, the shooting in Norway. Is that the same guy? No, 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 no. no. That's no. Um, you're thinking of uh, Greengrass. This oh, is right, green, right, right, green right. away. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> This is the guy that JR. I don't know if you remember. A few, it was like several episodes back. JR talked about like his entire filmography. He watched a bunch of his shit, everything that was on the Criterion Channel anyway. 
and yeah, uh, and more oh, okay. than okay, more than several. Episodes. Yeah, it was a lo- it was a long time ago, but I yeah, right, you, right, right, I, right. I remember you talking about all of them, hmm. and uh, I know that Jr. also rewatched the Draftsman contract. Yes, went up half a star for you. Yeah, it did. Yeah, I just it's it's so like just like vile, <laughs> and all the people are just so awful. Yeah, and like the the power dynamics. I just I was so. I was just more into it this time than I was last time. The draftsman in particular, the main guy, a wonderful, just cold, evil, but like casually evil performance from this fellow. And, uh, yeah, the, just the shit that he does, uh, willy nilly, like it doesn't even matter. And he's just doing these horrible things. And, um, I, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed all that too. And I loved the way it was shot, uh, kind of, this lopped off camera constantly on these scenes. I loved all the drawing stuff. That was amazing. Cause I'm really into YouTube videos of people drawing. So that kicked ass. I loved, I love the, the way the drawings are set up and shown like the it's, it's formatted as like a list with vo- yeah. voiceover. Oh, that's like great. Drawing too, yeah. number one. I will. Well, he's reading, they're reading, reading the contract, right? I mean, that's in the contract, which is, yeah. I, that's really great. Yeah, I, I love that. And I love how he's, you know, there will be no people there. They'll be instructed to go inside and all this stuff. That's terrific. The only, I mean, I don't really have any, I, I feel like uh, for me in the third act, I guess kind of like after the the initial series of drawings ends and there's the sort of murder mystery thing going on, it kind of bogs down a little bit for me at that point. Which is weird because it's like that's you know the mystery should be really compelling, but it's I don't know it's not terribly compelling for me. And but I love the way it ends. I love the confrontation on the lawn at night and what happens to the draftsman is amazing and totally bizarre. And I love the living statue shit. I don't get it at all, but it's amazing. <laughs> I I looked that up. That's he apparently had a much longer cut of the movie, like over three hours. That. uh where that all made more sense yeah it's just it, it's it, interesting that he left any of it honestly out. it works as like this weird you know just create like a weird tone for the film but i yeah, i love it I don't, I don't i don't even care to know what it means <laughs> i just think it's really cool <laughs> i especially love when he like pisses you just like standing yeah. there and starts pissing that's amazing yeah it's really really good it made me want to um watch more stuff i didn't get to the fall unfortunately which is his three-hour movie that was on criterion channel but it left but i did download um belly of an architect r.i.p Dennehy, and uh the cook the thief his wife and her lover or whatever it's called yeah yeah those are those are two great ones to to go to next he's and you know he's got a lot of very good movies a lot of interesting movies that are you know they're more interesting than good that kind of thing but uh yeah I I'm a big fan of what he's doing. I look forward to continuing with him. Jr. Yeah. Uh, so kind of on that note, I saw like a I saw a movie that was totally aping uh, Greenaway's style, mm-hmm. but uh, but was very good. Um, it's called Orlando. It was also mm-hmm. on Criterion Channel. Uh, Sally Potter's movie from 1992 and it is it is very very visually similar to what you're getting from Peter Greenaway and something like the draftsman's contract um but it is it's kind of like balls to the wall 
narrative about a young man played by Tilda Swinton who is uh, gifted a title and a house by uh, the king with the condition that he never grow old and wither. And without explanation, uh, he just sort of becomes immortal. And we spend the next 400 years with uh, Orlando as he falls in love, falls out of love, occupies different uh, titles and positions and, you know, travels all over. And uh, at one point is given a potion that turns him into a her. And uh, Hmm. it is like a just this totally epic narrative that takes place in fewer than 90 minutes, which is a killer. It's how you do things. That's right. Nice. Um, Shorter, the better. But yeah, Tilda Swinton is very good as uh, as the prince. I'm sure I've seen Tilda Swinton this young or maybe younger, but I just don't really remember. And, uh, you know, as for that Greenaway impression, like that kind of stops and st- or it ends with the uh, the setting and her visual style because there is a lot more like emotion here than Greenaway will ever allow in one of his movies. Um, and that's fine, but, uh, this is definitely an oddity and the sex change aspect of it will probably rub, you know, rub people, uh, today the wrong way, uh, people on, on both sides of, uh, that political or social spectrum. But, uh, yeah, highly recommend for, you don't think they'll organize a screening of this for Trump at the white house. (laughs) I don't Trump and Pence, especially titles. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You need subtitles for the British accents, though. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, yeah. I've actually, I've actually had the book of that for a long time because Orlando, as a character, figures into uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen quite promptly, uh, prominently, I should say. Uh, but yeah, just haven't read the book or watched the movie yet, but plan to at some point. Oh, I was going to ask you about uh, when you were talking about the conversation. Have you seen Enemy of the State? Yes. Well, I, I've seen it. I need to watch it again. But yeah, you I, should. I, Unofficial I've, sequel. I've heard. Yeah, that's what, that's what I've heard. I mean, it really can't. There's really no way to not read it that way after you've yeah, seen exactly. both films. Like, except for the fact that I would say Hackman is way more animated in in uh in yeah, the state because like, it's you know it's like an action. Movie. Yeah, I, I think like that was the Hackman that I was expecting yeah. in the conversation. Uh, you know, even though like ha- you know, having seen him in I'm trying to think now, like Superman, Bonnie and Clyde, um, Scarecrow, I haven't seen that one. <laughs> I kind of want to though. He ha- says it's his, you know? he says it's his favorite performance that he ever gave. Oh wow! We'll definitely have to check. I know we have it at the library. Um. But yeah, like uh, the bird cage. What else? Anyway, uh, that's that's neither here nor there. But yeah, I yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just brought just because I forgot to bring it up. Oh, yeah. But I I always liked uh, uh, Enemy of the State. But I was a big Tony Scott fan when I was a kid. So oh right, yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten that was him who did that. So um. So after after watching Mortal Kombat, I was like, okay, I need a good action movie. So I decided to put in Surf Ninjas. Right. Yeah. Which, a, a good e- action yeah, movie. Yeah, a good action sure. movie. Sure. Easy, <laughs> easy five out of five. You did, not, didn't you give this a five out of five? Yes, I did. You actually liked this movie. Yeah. 
I make no bones about it. I'm not going to sit here and argue whether it's a good movie or a bad movie. Is it a nostalgia thing for it's you? It's okay. 100% a nostalgia so I saw thing. it when I was like seven or whatever. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Into, but, but, like, but like, I... I you know, Kevin, Kevin, this is two versus one. Me and you against John, so... I didn't... Dis- oh, I don't well. dislike it. Okay. I remember liking it when right, I was right. seven. I don't remember what it's like now. I okay, have no yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Uh, but yeah, I, I just I just love it. It's it's so ridiculous and silly, but it's so it's still to me so funny, and I just I just love it. You're a big uh, Leslie Nielsen guy. No, you're not. Are you not, a big Leslie? Nielsen guy? I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say so. Are you a, a I mean Naked I really Gun? <laughs> I actually haven't seen Naked Gun. I I've seen part of Forbidden Planet. I I really like Dracula Dead and loving it. Um, but other than oh, this has Ernie Reyes Jr. in it. Yeah, from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Part Two. Yeah, and uh, he was the uh, the body of uh, Donatello in the first one. Such a weird, uh, just not to get off track here, <laughs> but Ernie Reyes Jr. in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Part Two. I remember like it's probably my first experience enjoying like a clever piece of business in a movie in the film. He's. It was almost like a David Mamet esque thing that happens. He he goes to audition to be a foot soldier. Yeah, yeah. And they do the smoke bombs, and they're like you have to take the bells off of the thing, uh, take the bells off of the mannequin without making a sound. Yeah. And they do the smoke bomb, and you can tell Raphael comes and does it for him, and puts all the bells in his hands, and then leaves while the smoke is still there. And I remember thinking like that was really cool. It's like that's an interesting way to deal with that. Like obviously he can't do that. But Raphael is so badass, and he's a real ninja. He can do it. Well, I don't know. I got the impression that he did do it. Like he was. No, 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 no. He Raphael comes in and does it. I'll look up the scene right <laughs> okay, now. Okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, if, I'm pretty sure it's unambiguous. I think they show him coming in through the smoke. Oh, I guess I missed that. Let's. I'll look it up. Keep talking about right. uh, surf ninjas. <laughs> Starring Rob Schneider. His best role. <laughs> Probably. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I always liked Deuce Bigelow when I was a teenager. The first one. Uh, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, I love I love Surf Ninjas. Um, and so, so then to continue on the action kick, I rewatched Highlander. Which, like, the version that's on Amazon Prime right now must be, like, some extended director's cut. Because there's a lot of stuff in there that I didn't have like profound memories of like uh like random bits of Connor McCloud through history like when he saves the little girl from the all, from World War II a lot of that stuff is added in the director's cut that's on Blu-ray okay. so if you watched it on Blu-ray in fact if you it, even I think it's on the iTunes version too now like you can't get the original version that doesn't have that stuff in then it that, that must be it because yeah. I watched this on Prime so yeah because when you watch like like I used to watch it on videotape and none yeah, of that yeah, shit yeah. was there especially like all the rapier stuff when he yeah yeah has the duel and then the stuff where he gets shot in World War II none of that stuff's in the original right version. right and like and like they definitely 100% extended the first fight sequence because I remember, yeah, like getting it from like Blockbuster or Video Visions or wherever I got it from, and there was not a lot of flipping shit through the parking lot of Madison Square Garden. And I, for some reason, I had always thought that like what he's watching at Madison Square Garden was a boxing match. Turns out it's a wrestling match with the fabulous Freebirds. Yeah. 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 But, but. (laughs) 
but but then you know but then we start getting into like things that like <laughs> yeah it's like certain th- like okay i can accept that there are immortals they fight with swords they cut off each other's heads they get each other's powers i can accept that amen but there's like but why would this guy for like they they give him no reason to be at Madison Square Garden garden watching a wrestling match he's meeting the guy there to fight that's he, what i got from cuz he leaves in the middle of the match to go to the garage well that's the thing like he's sitting there and then he's like yeah he he like, gets the like, sense right there's another like, one around there can be only one yeah yeah <laughs> I don't know. Like that's that's goes into the whole thing of like it could have been written better. It could have been you know that that part could have been explained a lot better. The scene like. from Ninja Turtles Two is not on YouTube. Ah, okay. so we're gonna have to download it. You got ten bucks? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's I'm like just, no, man. I'll go get the Blu-ray. Do you have the Blu-ray? Well, it's also streaming on Netflix. That's how I watched it. Thank you. But I do have the Blu-ray. No problem. Um. Anyway, if there can be only one, why were there so many? Because uh, the first one made money, so they had to make a sequel. Man, have you seen Highlander Two: The Quickening? It's one of the worst films ever made. It's it's insanely bad. Yeah, it was a big, <laughs> definitely a, a, a misstep there. But uh, yeah, you know, you know, what are you gonna do? Yeah, but um, like they are not streaming on Netflix. You are wrong again. But I watched it on Netflix. Oh, they they're, may well, not, they're not there anymore. Okay, they may. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, All right. Check, can, okay. check Canada be canopy. No, no, no. Ninja Turtles on canopy. Ninja Turtles. Fucking letterbox. Like I was, I was looking up a movie the other day to see if it was on to see what it was streaming on, and it said that it was on canopy, but it wasn't. So now that's a hard thing to keep up with, you know. Like yeah, what they yeah. so lose in the game. I there there is a website that has an app that is totally dedicated to that. Where, just watch like uh well no it's called Re- real good r-e-e-l oh okay uh, and i've been i've been enjoying that trying to find all these movies from 1999 and 2005 oh cool cool real good huh that's pretty yeah. good i'll have to uh go to that right now yeah but anyway to, to mark it to wrap it up about uh highlander like i love Can- i love clancy brown in this he's fucking great um i actually really like sean connery um but, what about but uh, yeah, the, the, Lambert? Eh, he's all right. I like your place, Linda. <laughs> like his weird Interesting accent. Interesting view. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> That's his first English language film, I think. Uh, you're probably right. Pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, yeah. And like, yeah, I think the, the, the biggest problem is the writing. Like, I know I read on like the Wikipedia that like it was changed a lot from the original like a lot less was explained a lot less happened and it was a lot more violent um but i think most of the central stuff was still there but um yeah so i, g- I gave it three out of five because it's, I, it's yeah, very much enjoyable i think and i went three I and love and a half on the it, queen so. music yeah the queen music is it's it, fucking it, it works pretty well yeah although no, I mean it's yeah, it's it's probably the best music. Well, I don't know. Some of the Flash stuff is really good too, but I, I think I think might be their best cont- contribution to a film. It's like this and Iron Eagle and uh, yeah, well, I Flash think, Gordon. Yeah, well, I think only one song was in Iron Eagle. 
I could be wrong. Is that right? You could be right. I don't have any idea. I don't know. I think it was just one vision. But Anyway, right. that song blows. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched uh, a medley of um, Dylan Docs. Ah. I watched the two um, Scorsese-directed Bob Dylan pictures with No Direction Home and Rolling Thunder Review, a Bob Dylan story by Martin Scorsese. No Direction Home is fine, but it plays exactly like a Ken Burns documentary um, in every single way. And it's pretty dry, and it's not terribly interesting, and it's really fucking long. And Do you guys not like Ken Burns documentaries? I, okay, I have nothing I've, I've I've never against seen one. Ken I've, Burns. Honestly, but... I've only seen, I think I watched three or four episodes of the Vietnam one, and it's it's... Like I am so it's interested in Vietnam, one. and it just does not keep me going at all. Like I'm not mm. interested because it's just so fucking. It's just an information dump. It's just dry as fuck. I don't know, and it's going into like every single little minute detail that doesn't seem terribly important. And um, I don't know. I guess this is kind of like that. It's just kind of going into every single little minute detail of Dylan's upbringing and his rise to stardom. And I just mm. and I mean the part of the problem is that I. I do not like Dylan, uh, his music anyway. I hate his fucking music so bad. And uh, why'd you watch two Dylan movies? Well, Scorsese, Scorsese, my friend. Scorsese. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, I mean, you got. I mean, yeah. I'm gonna watch Scorsese's filmography and not watch these movies. Right. 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 And plus, it's like I don't really know that I. I didn't know I hated him so much until I watched <laughs> these two films and saw back to back how bad his music is in two different periods. <laughs> you know, like his early protest stuff is god awful. Then it only gets worse in the '70s when he goes like pseudo country rock. Ugh! It's just it makes me want to <laughs> fucking puke. It is the worst. Um, and then I got into it with, with Jordan online yeah, just for like that. a whole thread of him trying to defend him and telling me how good the band is and shit. I'm just like, dude, I'm sorry, dude. You're like 90 years old. If you like this shit, it's awful. You and you and Jordan and you, your fights. You guys. <laughs> I love Jordan. I, I sent him a birthday mix. <laughs> uh, no, no Dylan on it anyway. Uh, so no direction home is kind of, kind of dry and boring, but rolling thunder review, I thought was much better as, as a film, uh, even though I still hated the music, but as the int- the story was more interesting, it's a lot more focused. It's just about this one tour, and uh, you get interviews with really interesting people who are on the tour. A lot of uh, more, a lot more Ginsburg in this one. Like he mm. sort of narrates the whole thing. Like they they open it with him talking about Dylan and you know other rant you know the universe and shit like that and then uh <laughs> and you know he comes back every once in a while and they'll like show him he's like sitting on a rock on the beach just like talking and it's just really cool i love i love ginsburg a lot and then there's um i thought the stuff with like at first they interview sharon stone and i'm like this is kind of weak like you know interview celebrities because they're fans and it's just like mm. oh this is a good way to get a celebrity in our doc but actually she was like she went on the tour with them for a second and worked with him backstage and stuff oh so i thought that was pretty interesting and uh yeah i just enjoyed it quite a bit more than no direction home and then i watched the last waltz which i'd never seen before uh, about the band's last show of their first run and uh if you thought dylan was bad just wait the band is might be the worst group I've ever heard perform in my life. Ouch. I think I'd rather go to like a U2 show oh, yeah. or an ACDC show or a Guns N' Roses show. 
maybe even Aerosmith. This is <laughs> this is the worst <laughs> shit I've ever heard in my life, and it's just like cringy, fake blues, dad rock, <laughs> white man blues. Oh, it's just oh, it makes you want to fucking puke. And then the uh, Neil Young comes out real early in the film and does Helpless, and the sh- and you're like for a second you're like you know Helpless is a good song. Neil Young rules. And then Joni Mitchell's dumbass is in the backstage just wailing away and making all this racket and noise with her god-awful voice. Just ruins the whole fucking thing. Fuck the band. Fuck Dylan. Fuck this movie. The Last Waltz is shit. <laughs> so, now, I will, now, I will it say... It is really well made, though. It's beautiful. I, like, the way it's shot and everything. And some of his ideas of, like... At one point, he like has them performing a song just to the crew of the film. Oh, wow. And it's all backlit. It looks really cool. But mm. Scorsese is a genius. I mean, what are you going to do? You know? Yeah. I mean, so one one thing about the uh, you know Rolling Thunder review. Yeah. That, just because you didn't mention this, so I don't know if you know it. Like, a lot of that stuff is not true. Like, all the whole Sharon Stone thing Uh-oh. is a totally fabricated story. Why? <laughs> I, I don't know, know. that because uh, I mean this is a, it's not a secret like Martin Scorsese was basically just like we're gonna have some fun with like the the Dylan mythos oh I did know uh, I did I did well okay that makes sense then because I, I saw uh, the actor who plays Tanner and from Tanner on Tanner is in it as Jack Tanner and I remember yeah. being confused about that I was like well this guy's an actor who plays a politician he's not actually a politician but he's in there as the politician so mm. I didn't know what that was about but I guess that makes sense now if you're telling me the whole thing is fucking fake. Well, I, I think there's like a lot of like, th- there's not a lot of like documented stuff about like what was going on on that tour or around that time. So they're just like, let's, they have a lot let's of footage from backstage and stuff though. Yeah. And like uh, the Sharon Stone, like photos are all uh, doctored. Damn. Oh, Damn. Man. So I don't, I don't know. Like, I feel like I've been had true, how much isn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's no big deal. I mean, uh, that honestly, that just makes me feel like I have to rewatch it at some point now, which I don't don't really want to do. That was not my intention. I know, but I mean, you know, it's like now I have to. I saw it through a lens that was false, and now I have to see it through the lens of truth. Yeah. And do you guys? Do you, oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, like, I I don't particularly care for Dylan's music either, and I don't know why necessarily she would. Because I think Joni Mitchell is ten times better than Dylan ever was, like especially like her... she has a scene where she sings a song in this one. It's it's all right. It's definitely well, better than anything Dylan is doing. Right? Yeah. Um. But yeah, because like um, I know like especially like from like the mid seventies on, like when she like I'm not so crazy about like her like folk stuff, but like when she starts playing with jazz musicians, mm. then it really starts to go in great directions. Because like. There's a live video of her Shadows and Light where it's like her, Jaco Pastorius on bass, Don Elias who played with Miles Davis, uh, the Brecker brothers who played with Frank Zappa and Pat Metheny and Lyle Mays as her back and like this is her backing band. Cool. And like then, you know, you'd expect like Miles Davis or some other like jazz mus- musician to come on stage, but it's Joni Mitchell and they're tearing it up. So that sounds potentially yeah. interesting. Yeah. I would highly recommend to anybody who's a fan of music, listen to Hegira by Joni Mitchell. It's a great album. Hegira. Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah. Okay. Hegira means a f- uh, Muhammad's flight from Mecca. Right. Okay. I, 
been, that's okay. Yeah, it's just been. It's in out of. I only know because it's in. It's in out of sight at the end. Uh, Samuel oh. Jackson is in, is in the film for like four seconds at the end of the movie, and he his oh, name okay. is Hajira. Oh, and then okay. I, 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 okay. I think I'd okay. actually heard it before in in uh, geography class or civics or something. Yeah, because I I heard it like as the Hajj or Hajj. Yeah. It might it might be pronounced if you have if you're like speaking Arabic or something maybe. Yeah. Jar, what were you gonna say? I was gonna ask, like, it, it just if you guys have concert documentaries that you really oh, like. Oh. I was I put on uh, I put on the first half hour of uh, the Talking Head ones last night. Oh, yeah. Which because I really like the first half hour of that, and then I kind of get bored with it. The, Stop but, making um, sense. Or the other. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I've never seen "Stop Making Sense" or the. I used to have uh, the other one that exists. I can't remember what it's called, um, but uh, I never watched it. And I have a. I I really enjoy, although they're not concert films. There's the there are two documentaries on the band Low that I fucking love, and they play music in them, but they're not strictly concert films. Mm. Um, yeah, I can't really think of a st- straight concert movie that I've watched really at all i mean i i watched the uh, tribute to freddie mercury when he after he died in like 91 or whatever i used right, to have it on right. v i have it on vhs still actually oh yeah and metallica does sheer heart attack yeah that's, that's really good <laughs> uh and i mean like i guess the their live aid performance and shit you know you watch that when you're a kid now it's all ruined by that terrible movie but um <laughs> i mean i like when when you and uh jordan were talking about the um the dylan stuff like i know he just watched uh don't look back yeah. Uh the guy who directed that uh Penny Baker, he did uh Ziggy Stardust the motion picture yeah, which I that. really liked. Yeah. Uh, cuz like uh like it's got a lot of like backstage footage of uh Bowie getting his makeup done and at one point Ringo Starr's in the back with him. Um, I rem- I've watched uh that that reminded me of uh whatever the the song remains the same the Led Zeppelin concert oh, yeah, film. Yeah, I used yeah. to watch that a lot when I was younger. We were really yeah. into Zeppelin. But I don't wouldn't say I like it. I don't think I liked it then. It has like these fictional elements that are really goofy. Yeah, yeah. But uh, when Jimmy Page comes out by himself and does Black Mountain Side, that shit rules. Yeah, <laughs> and I really like the version of No Quarter that's on there. It's cool. Yeah. So yeah, what you besides the Talking Head ones, Jr. You like something else? No. <laughs> Good call. Good call. <laughs> I, I was really thinking like I yeah concert documentaries are i guess are not my thing oh you know what i haven't seen either that i that i really want to see is a uh, year of the horse the jarmish neil young oh one. right yeah. Oh, yeah i've never seen that and it, he's got the uh the gimme danger one too that's good that's that not a concert good. film but yeah that is that is good oh, okay. it's yeah. just a documentary about the stooges right but I, it's I it's pretty it's solid yeah. it's not like amazing or anything it's but it's Really, it's interesting if you like, you know, Iggy Pop and stuff. Yeah, I used to watch concert stuff like all the time, and now I really don't watch it very much anymore. There's one. Uh, the oh, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I'll okay. I'll, I'll, I'll keep it in my mind. Yes, uh, there's a big one for me that I love. Actually, I forgot about it. Uh, Dick Rude, one of the actors in uh, Repo Man, he directed one for the Chili Peppers called Off the Map, which is really great. Um. And like he did a lot of backstage stuff for them too that ended up being on a DVD on their greatest hits. And uh, King Crimson's got a lot of a lot of great videos. Um, yeah, there's a uh, well. There, um, this is not the one I've seen, but there's that uh, recent Beastie Boys one where they gave the audience the cameras. The holy shit, I shot that or whatever. Oh, 
I think Spike Jones has something to do with it. And uh, but the one I was thinking of, uh, I don't know why I didn't think about this. This is this is easily the the concert film I've seen the most is um, White Stripes Blackpool Lights, where they play Blackpool Lights in uh, England, oh. and it's uh, shot on sixteen millimeter, and oh. uh, it it's really good. It, he does this version of Death Letter that's just like out of control, like he's flailing around the ground and shit. And it's 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 really solid if you like the White Stripes. Mm. Can you guys uh, can you fix that weather issue you're having? Are you hearing that? Yeah. Wow. That's so crazy that you're hearing that. Yeah. Let me... No, we can't fix uh, it. Yeah, we can, it's not yeah. raining in Denver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, right. uh, so that's that's it for uh, the uh, Scorsese music docs that are middling to terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I've got uh, I've got one more. Oh, um, Jesus Christ. What? I've got like... I've got, well, no, I guess oh, I, got, okay. I have three more. No, it's okay. Right. Go ahead. I got a couple more. Yeah, you're all right. Go ahead. All right. Um, yeah, so uh, this was leaving, uh, well, a couple, couple Lumet films were leaving Criterion Channel at the end of uh, this month. So I watched Murder on the Orient Express, which I liked fine. And uh, this one, The Anderson Tapes, which I had not seen before. And uh, just, it was really fun. It was a good movie. My dad used to tell me about the Anderson tapes when I was a kid. Like when I was like yeah. 13, he used to talk about the Anderson tapes all the time. So you got to see this movie. It's really good. <laughs> Never saw I, it. I mean, it's a great, it's like a great Sean Connery charisma movie mm. with, you know, with Lou Met kind of just like doing, doing just enough visually with a, a story that is very simple. I mean, so Sean Connery gets out of prison. He goes uh, straight to his girlfriend, Diane Cannon's house. Uh, she lives in like this super wealthy apartment building. Uh, they boink for a bit, and uh, then Connery instantly decides he's going to rob the whole building, which is a you know just a weird decision. Uh, there's like a doctor's office and six apartments, um, but he he enlists uh, prison pal young Christopher Walken, Ooh. who I I didn't know he was ever this young, <laughs> and uh, and then a few others to case the building and make a plan. Where is this and, set? Uh, New York, Manhattan. Is Sean Connery affecting an American accent? No. He's still Scottish? Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Okay, go ahead. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. uh, They don't talk about him being European in the film? Nah. Nah. I was just wondering. Okay. It's not worth addressing. (laughs) Um, But then there's there's this uh, sort of twist that you learn at the beginning that uh, he is being surveilled. Well, it's not that he is well. He is being surveilled. We don't exactly know why he's being surveilled, and uh, but everything that he is saying and doing is being recorded by uh, first one and then multiple uh, agencies. It's a uh, it's a very intriguing thing. What's going on? Um, the sur- yeah surveillance bit it is just like a wrinkle on what is otherwise you know a heist film. Um, I really just could not get over how young, like uncomfortably young Christopher Walken was, even though it's not a huge, <laughs> um, there's some, some great like comedic scenes. Uh, the score by Quincy Jones is really cool. It's, it's full of like tape hiss and computer glitches. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, this is not like top tier Sydney Lumet or anything, but it's, uh, it's really good. Four out of five. Yeah. You haven't seen the top tier yet. You gotta watch Serpico. I mean, I've seen 12 Angry Men. <laughs> I'm just kidding with you. <laughs> Serpico is not top tier. It's middle, middle, middle tier. Dog no, Day yeah. Afternoon is top tier. 
sure. anyway anyway i'll never watch Joker. yeah yeah you will it's coming bud get ready come on we we all know you're a completionist yeah, you have to watch it at some yeah. point. It, it, we just have to wait for it to come on movie or the Criterion channel, and then he'll be forced to watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. yeah. Also, young Christopher Walken, like you forgot about him in Annie Hall. Is he in that? Yeah, yeah, yeah for like five minutes. Um, Jeff Goldblum. And th- and this, yeah. is, this is earlier. This is 71. Annie Hall is 77, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's okay. true. Okay. That's so, like okay. a year okay. before okay. Deer Hunter. Right. And uh oh, what's it? Was it last em, last embrace the <laughs> oh yeah that's early. Demi movie that's with like him 70, and Roy Scheider seventy three or something isn't it or something it might I think it might be later like seventy seven seventy eight maybe eighty I don't know oh no it's not it's in the seventies right. so I rewatched uh the curious case of Benjamin Button seventy nine you're close okay yeah <laughs> Whoa. what. Benjamin, Benjamin Button? Button? I don't know. I have never once considered rewatching this movie. I rewatched it's it so, when I, so I did long. a I did a Fincher all through Fincher's filmography a few years ago and I rewatched okay. it. Right, right, right. It was after I watched I rewatched uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo reluctantly yeah, yeah, yeah. because I was like, This movie blows and then I rewatched it and I was like, That's actually really good. I don't know why I didn't like this movie. <laughs> and then uh right. and then I had to reevaluate because I was like I didn't like Benjamin Button that much either and I rewatched it and it's it's all right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there there's certainly like for for me it's definitely like okay, we get it. They're in the south. Everyone's doing everyone's affecting these like really just borderline offensive accents. Yeah. Uh like 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 especially uh uh Taraji, uh Henson and um uh Mahershala Ali. But um but yeah, like I actually like like I thought that I would enjoy it more than I did, but I still enjoyed it. Like I gave it a four out of five. Like for me, it was still like very enjoyable, and like I thought it had like for me, it got me like emotional about about certain things. Like I guess it's more about like I mean, this is gonna sound like cliched, and people will probably hang up after this. But like you know, once once you actually like deal more on a personal level with children, I think it affects how you how emotional you get about certain things because like especially like seeing seeing you know benjamin's birth and like him being him being raised and like them having you know going through the the like little things like you know get back here what are you doing you know that that kind of thing is like so much more relatable to me now so Mm -hmm. it's like yeah so like there's parts where i'm like getting a little choked up about you know raising a kid and then later, and then later on, like seeing like my grandfather had dementia towards the end of his life, and so seeing Benjamin's character having dementia, and it's like again like a lot more relatable than the first time I saw it. So yeah, that was one of the big reasons why it affected me so much. But uh, there, but still, like it's it's overly long, and I think a lot of stuff could have been cut out. But yeah, it's yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a solid movie. It's too long. Yeah, and and I think you said this last time. It, like, it's very Oscar Bation-y. Sure, but uh, but I still liked it. I liked it. I just I think it's like probably Fincher's weakest film. But it's um, I I don't know. When was the last time you watched Alien Three? I I like Alien Three. Okay, I think Alien Three is. I I probably I, I like Alien Three more than Gone Girl. I like Alien Three quite a bit. Oh yeah, I, I th- yeah I think With I remember that cut. like like. I think like you had like Gone Girl as like 
sort of top tier Fincher. And yeah, you were it, like, it dropped a lot for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not yeah. top tier, but like definitely better than it, I thought it was. Than right. I thought after I rewatched it, but I mean, yeah, because I think like Dragon Tattoo and Gone Girl kind of sure, swapped places. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, I rewatched Ronan, which I'm not going to talk about because I mean, it's Ronan, you know. But uh, I'm pro Ronan. Mike, Michael Lonsdale. Yeah. What more do you need to say? I don't know who that is. He's the old guy. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyways, I like I like Ronan a lot. It's a, a lot of fun. The action is great. The the, bl- the blood squibs rule. The, he uses this weird light colored blood. It's really good looking on film. Mm. Um, but it led me to. Uh, watch well i took all my dvds off my shelf this week so i only have blu-rays on my shelves now i put all my dvds in boxes dvd is dead and uh it i found a spanish prisoner which i had never watched and i owned on dvd so i was like i need to see this and it's a david mamet film so it perfectly comes out of ronin and uh yeah i really enjoyed the spanish prisoner uh it's like a you know it's just like house of games it's just like this elaborate con man story um but it's, I don't know, it's really well done. It's really interesting. And I it kept me guessing. I did not know what was happening for parts of it. And, uh, yeah, I thought Campbell Scott was really good. And I feel like Campbell Scott's like this guy who's kind of his star never really took off in, for, for whatever reason. Like he was, he should have been like a big, big star. He looks so much like Bradley Cooper. It's crazy. Wow. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know why he never really made it but um maybe because bradley cooper came along well i mean this is like 97 i mean i guess bradley cooper was around sort of in 97 yeah like when was uh when was wet hot american summer oh shit because he's in 90, that. 90, 99 huh 98 okay. or 99 no he's saying no jr saying no. <laughs> i think it was 90 sorry i think it was 98 but 98. Oh, okay um but anyways, I don't know. I, I i remember campbell scott the only the only frame of reference i have for him outside of this film now is that I used to watch a movie called Roger Dodger that he was in all the time. It was uh, one of Jesse Eisenberg's first films. Oh. And it was from 05, I think, and I, I used to love that shit. Um, but, sorry, sorry, Wet Hot is 2001. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Wow. We're all wrong. Terribly mm. wrong. Uh, but yeah, Spanish Prisoner's great. Steve Martin, a weird villain turn for him. Oh. That's sort of like a spoiler, I guess, but he's... Uh, <laughs> You can assume Def- though. Definitely a square. You can assume though he's not. I mean, he's, 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 he's up to slimy. something. Yeah, he's up to something. Mm, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I just uh, Ricky Jay is in this. I fucking love Ricky Jay. Ricky Jay is underrated. He's, he's awesome. so good. And um, yeah, I don't. I just really. I uh, Rebecca Pigeon, who is Mammoth's uh, wife, she's in this, and she's her performance is really bizarre. Like it's really over the top. But I really, I don't right. know. I something about it I really liked. I watched uh, David Mamet's uh, The Winslow Boy for my 99 thing, and mm-hmm. Re- Rebecca Pigeon was very good in that, and not a bizarre performance, very very straight. Do you know what I'm talking about, though? Like, in, in this movie, how her performance, yeah. like, she's very, like, over the top and... Absolutely. Like, almost like a robot. It's, like, so totally bizarre, but it really <laughs> works for what happens. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, love The Spanish Prisoner will definitely look forward to years of rewatching and i really want to it made me want to rewatch homicide and house of games and see other things i've never seen by mammoth like state and maine and things like this mm. oh you never shit no i've never seen state and maine wow. there's your next you die bud <laughs> i mean honestly that it was between coherence state and maine and a couple others for this one. Oh so. wow that's oh, okay. crazy <laughs> I, I i really like state and maine no, i really yeah liked not, it have not seen it um 
I'm a huge Mammoth fan. I just haven't got through everything. I also pulled out a, I have a DVD of Spartan that I want to rewatch because mm. <laughs> I haven't seen that since that was like 04, 05 when I saw that last. So, was, yeah, early, very early Kristen Bell. Oh, so yeah, uh, JR, you're out. Yeah, I'm done. Kevin. Okay. Uh, so, okay, let's see. Um, I rewatch. I rewatched uh, Drive, which I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, like again, like I, you know, forget. It's easy to forget Oscar Isaac and Christina Hendricks in this because they're only in the movie for like maybe five minutes a piece. Um, I love that his name is Standard. Standard Such a weird yeah. name, but like real. Yeah. I don't know. So good. Yeah. Um, I I I like it. It's it doesn't. There, there's nothing to push it into five territory for me. Yeah. Um, even though like, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's good. Um, I, I still, I, I still would have liked to have more of, um, Albert Brooks and Ron Perlman because like, I would have liked to see like more of their like kind of underworld boss kind of deal. And I actually really like Albert Brooks as, this you know like normally you know you see him in like comedy roles but it's weird I, how I long like, it took. I like him yeah. as as this as this mob boss who's just like you know he's not like a super serious mob boss but he's you know like he slashes uh Brian Cranston's wrist and it's just it's just just it's over it's over you know like he's just like slits his wrist kills him but it's not like this over overbearing like mob hit. It's just like, nah, you're done. Like I'm just tired yeah. of your shit. It's you're more, out of my life. More elegant hit. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I was just speaking of comedians who we, you know, talking about having like this darkness within them. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, he's like, like I don't think of him as a comedian because I've really, you know, I've I've seen him like I've seen him in Taxi Driver and I saw him in bro- oh, yeah, broadcast yeah, yeah. news. You know, right. these are like my frame of reference for Albert Brooks and then Drive. So it's like. He's not like he's got this very like kind of subtle comedy thing going, like an all in all the kind of thing or something. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. like he's not like a he's not like Robin Williams, who's just like flamboyantly funny and stuff. Right, so I right. think it works really well. And the same thing with Steve Martin and something like yeah, um, um, Spanish Prisoner. You know, he he just he's not so. I mean, I guess he's he's a little bit more over the top and flamboyant uh, than Albert Brooks. But yeah, it's I think it really works for those two. And I'm yeah. surprised it took him so long to cast him in something like this, yeah, Albert Brooks, yeah. or even like in a serious role at all. Like he's he's a good actor, yeah. And I also rewatched uh, Donnie Darko, which I did not enjoy very much at all. It's it smart get, man. It's get it's gets very again, fourteen year old who just found a philosophy book and yeah, like yeah, and yeah, the, the whole like, will you rewatch? Uh, Kelly's second film, though Southland Tales. Southland yeah, Tales. Southland Tales. I kind of want to. Have you seen uh, it? I, I've seen it. Okay, like, good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a bajillion years ago, because you know, like back, you know, back when I was like, you know, late teens, early twenties, sure. when that thing you have came to watch out, these things. Yeah, you know, like look, like look at that cast. It can't, it can't be bad. Yeah, and you know, Donnie Darko. It's so deep, man. Yeah, man. And but then, like, no, like it's not deep. It's the meaning it's of pretty, life, guy. Yeah. <laughs> And like I, I said in my letterbox review, the uh, the conversation with the henchmen about Smurfs 
was a lot more entertaining in the Venture Brothers than it was here in Donnie Darko. I don't remember anything about Donnie Darko. Did you watch the... Talking uh, about Smurfette being gang-banged by the rest of the Smurf village? Like, uh, no thank you. It's such a... Just such an edgy, edgy scene. (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) Did you you watch the director's cut or the original one? I watched the version that's on Canopy. I wasn't so, aware there was I a director's not know. cut. Did they like? Are there like literal notebooks and shit that explain the time travel? In the he, version you watched, he find like there's a book that's written by what's her face, Grandma Death. Yeah, that he finds and reads and like. Yeah, that, that, I mean, he reads that, it, that brings me to like. See, I, I like in the director's cut, they're like animated not animated, but like visualized sequences from that book that really oh. like spells everything out. No, yeah, then this, which this really must have been the regular Kelly cut. Did not know what the fuck he was doing. Yeah. Like even uh like, uh, like I remember seeing a thing with Kevin Smith and he was talking about how like, uh, like he was a fan of Donnie Darko, but even he didn't know what it was about. Like he thinks Richard Kelly just shot a bunch of shit, threw it up in the air and just put it together from that. But yeah, like, but that that like brought me I back to like that. one of the things one of the things I thought was really poorly done in uh, the writing of this movie. Like Noah Weil as the uh, science teacher. It's like Wiley. really Wiley. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't pronounce it's today. Like the Sorry. Fourth thing I've pronounced. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I know. I know. I know. Uh, yeah, like really in a, really ineffectual as a teacher. I don't uh, remember him being in. I remember Patrick Swayze is in it. Yeah, he's a Drew motivational speaker. Yeah, and Drew Barrymore again. Like they they show one scene of her Cellar teaching. Door. Yeah, they show one scene of her teaching, and then so like deep. later on, they're trying to get this Graham Greene book banned, and then like I don't know, like half hour, forty five later, forty five minutes later into the movie, we think your methods are unorthodox, so we're gonna fire you. You've got until the end of the week. What? Huh? It's like interesting. She should like, get her union rep on the phone. You know, I, I've, yeah. I've got a whole thing about this. The uh, <laughs> depictions of teaching and education in general just oh yeah make yeah. me mad. So I'm really trying to get over this. Uh, in the film or in I general. Have. What? In the film, Donnie Darko, or in general? I mean, in film in general. Right, okay. But yes, also in Donnie Darko. Right. right. Well, that was one of the questions I meant to ask you, JR. Like, you watched, was the Blackboard Jungle? And yeah. you said it wasn't It wasn't the worst teaching movie ever? So I'm curious, what yeah. is the worst teaching movie ever, in your opinion? I don't know, like, Dead Poet Society is up there for me. Oh, okay. Really? I fucking hate that. Uh what what is it about? Is just because of the kind of cheesy? Uh, he becomes like a like he's yeah. so he's against the grain. He's a rebel and this kind of stuff. Yeah. So so the just the, the stories like that just drive me crazy. And then like um, no administration is going to fire a teacher that is connecting with children. That just is not. I mean, connecting with children, like engaging students, is what people want. Right. Uh, so the but this the was a idea, long time ago, though. So maybe that's not what they wanted at the time. They thought that was not the right way to engage the students. Yeah, yeah and I think this know, is I, a, I, it, that, a, is, that is true. But it's just it just 
I don't know. It's it's corny bullshit. I agree. I agree with it's you. It's always corny bullshit. Right, right, right. It's manipulative too, emotionally, because yeah, yeah, it, yeah. And it always works on me too. In, in that film in particular, even that final scene, how corny as it is with them standing on their destiny, that shit gives me goosebumps. I don't know why. <laughs> like I, I did. I get the I did chills. Not see that as a young person. So when oh. I saw it, I was just uh, couldn't do it. Could not do it. I get it. But uh, you know, I mean, I for me. I can't think of that many movies about teachers that I've seen. I mean, I I, I, I remember seeing um, Tony Kay has a film called Detachment, yeah. which is not great. And I would say it has moments that are similar to that. It's about this uh, Adrian Brody is a substitute teacher and he comes in and gets involved with the kids who hate his guts at first. But then, you know, of course, by the time he leaves, they love him, you know. Right. And, uh but it's got some good scenes in it. Like he's Adrian Brody's pretty good in it. And James Conn plays a teacher in it. He's all right. I don't know. I, I tend to like the, I feel like I like the comedy teachers more like where it's acknowledged. It's part of the joke that the teacher is awful. I can get much more behind that. Like I still really, I just think bad teacher is a very funny movie. I don't think it's a great movie. Like Whoa. Oh, Cameron Diaz. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's a it's a funny. You like movie. bad moms and, too, and bad moms Christmas. <laughs> While you're at it, these are not the same. Okay, these are not and the same thing. Office Christmas party. <laughs> <laughs> these are all the exact same movie. <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Just go ahead. Uh, you know, and I'm just like the, the teachers that show up for one scene in comedies. You know, like they it just it offends me less. Oh, uh, Donald Sutherland in Animal House as the professor teaching <laughs> sure. Milton. <laughs> and then he sleeps with uh, what's-her-face from Raiders. Oh, uh, Ma- Marion? Yeah, you see her butt in that movie. Oh, it's wow. crazy. <laughs> you also see Donald Sutherland's butt later on in that scene. Well, you can see that and don't look now. Comic effect. Well, it's for a comedic thing. In the- that guy liked his, like showing off his butt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, I think it was the way I think I want to say I read once that they only they could only get her to show her butt. Like she only agreed to do it because he was he would do it also. Oh, okay. Anyways, um, I are you done talking about whatever movie you were talking about? Yeah, Donnie, Donnie Darko. Darko. Yeah, yeah, two out of five. I uh, <laughs> rewatched Collateral because uh, there's another podcast that I was doing and they were doing a Michael Mann premium episode, and uh, well, Collateral is the only one I haven't seen a thousand times, so I rewatched it. And uh, it's, you know, it's solid enough. It's definitely a step down from it's it doesn't elevate itself the way that his 90s films do. But um, it's, you know, fun and there's some good violence in it and action and stuff. And Tom Cruise is really good. And I don't I don't think Jamie Foxx is terribly good. And I don't think Jamie Foxx is a good actor. And I'm, I don't feel like this is a hot take. I feel like most people feel this way. I don't know. He's just like, what has he done? That's any good. He's just not very good. I like him in Django Unchained, but liking him doesn't mean that he puts in a great performance. It, yeah, I, I mean, in Django Unchained He's in particular, a, it's weird. It's like I watch him and I was like, some of the lines he delivers, which is like, this would be so much better if it was delivered by like a dozen other actors I can think of. African-American actors that I can think of who would deliver the line way better with more energy. He's so like low energy in that movie, especially when you put him in a scene with Christoph Waltz. And Christoph Waltz is just so natural and perfect in that movie. And yeah. and Leonardo DiCaprio is over the top and crazy dramatic, but he's like, at least he's doing but, something. Yeah, you know? he, does it well. <laughs> so, he does it well. Yeah, it, I don't know. I, I feel like Fox is totally outgamed in everything I see him in. Like, everybody around him is doing a much better job. Mm. He's 
I don't think he's outgamed in Jarhead, but he's not good. Oh yeah, Jarhead. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, there's nobody to outgame him in Jarhead. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I Peter Sarsgaard is in it, so he's, yeah, yeah. He's well, good. I remember thinking at the time that Peter Sarsgaard was so good. He's really not. No, oh, it's too it's bad. Just, it's a it's a part that just doesn't matter enough. Uh, Jarhead's bad. Continue. Yeah, I hear you, man. <laughs> I've I've rewatched it uh, at least once in the last 10 years and just trying to thinking, and, thinking that I you know need to reevaluate. It's been so long since I've seen it and it's yeah, just, yeah. it was so bad. I rewatched. I was like, this is not good. Like how did they, how did Sam Mendez go from road to perdition well, to this? I don't understand. And seeing, seeing Jared 10 days after seeing three Kings again, oh, yeah. I was like, Oh, why does Jared exist? It's the same, same war, yeah. same exact like visual aesthetic that they're going for. Yeah, it it's, looks very similar. And it's again about like the malaise of the sh- soldiers. It's, it's, it's a joke. Mm. But they it's add they add interesting things onto that malaise, like the heist element in Three Kings, right? And plus, yes. you, and you've got yeah. actors who you actually are like compelled to watch because they're mm. funny and interesting. And anyway, right. Three Kings That's rules. Uh, <laughs> so I re- so much, it led it led me on naturally to uh, Michael Mann's film follow up to Collateral uh, Miami Vice, which I've never seen, but uh, I do recall Jr. talking positively about at some point he claims it was a long time yes. ago i feel like he's talked about I think it, it was times. a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> it was before i was on the show full time and his rating is a four out of five on letterbox so i was like i gotta check this thing out i remember always hearing that uh you know the that the action was very good and, and stuff like that i'm here to tell you that uh the action is phenomenal in this movie it fucking rules Everything else is a steaming pile of dog shit. This movie looks terrible. It's boring as fuck. There are two action sequences in it. They both last total 15 minutes. One's at the very, very beginning. One's at the very, very end. Everything in between is Colin Farrell boning some Chinese chick. You don't, you don't even, and, 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 yeah, I know she's, she's beautiful and, and, I guess she's a good actress. I don't know because she has nothing to do in this movie. She she says like four things, and Colin Farrell uh, is the worst. And Jamie Foxx doesn't. He's not, he's barely in the movie. Like I was surprised because I read online that from when he was cast in this to when they started production, he won the Oscar for Ray, and that he his demands went up and he was the diva on set and stuff. He's like barely in the movie. It's Colin I, Farrell's movie. I I imagine. Not I'm, I. I think that he was cut out of a lot. I believe it. And they're both so fucking. They want to be so cool. It just makes me want to cringe. And I get that it's part of the Miami Vice aesthetic. Like they're super cool guys and they're cops and they drive a fucking Ferrari and which makes no fucking sense. They're driving like a half million dollar vehicle down the road. <laughs> but whatever, you know. I get it. Like they're cool guys and they're cool cops. It's like bad boys, but without the humor. And they, but like literally like there's no relationship between the two of them at all. Like they hardly talk to each other. They're always just standing in the same room, staring off into the distance, waiting for a phone call. It's, it is the worst, man. This movie is so fucking, bo- how long has it been since you've seen this JR? Uh, since the last time I talked about it, that was probably 2017, oh, well, 2016 you're, you're maybe. Be, you're beyond hope then, man. This thing it is boring as shit. It would have been like, yeah, either 2017 or 2018. No, it's it's so boring. It's so cool. But They're the so cool. action sequences, the shootout in particular, the shoot. Well, the shootout at the beginning is not really a shootout. It's just like guys being annihilated by fifty cal sniper rifles, <laughs> and their <laughs> arms are getting blown off and shit in slow motion. It's really cool. Dang. And then in the end, the the gunfight at the end is really cool because, just like Heat, except I think even more successful than Heat. Not to say that the gunfight in Heat is less good. It's better, but. In Heat, he uses the uh, 
whatever you call it, the natural sound of the guns firing the blanks and stuff. Like they, apparently they didn't re-record any of that stuff. They didn't foley any of that. So they just recorded the sound on the day. And they do that in this film too, but you can really tell in this film because it's like, you can hear all the echoing and like the, you know how you hear gunshots in like a documentary mm-hmm. about war or something. It's like in the distance, like it's like a little firecrackers going off. the distance. like you hear that a lot and it's just, I don't know. It really fucking works in this one. And the, um, the violence is great. The action is great. Everything else sucks. So one star for the first action sequence, one star for the second action sequence. <laughs> Nothing else. This movie's garbage. Nice. I will rewatch these sequences on YouTube at some point. They're a lot of fun. I can't think of anything else that. Oh, uh, the the girl, um, their partner, uh, the like Hispanic female that's with them, but she's blonde for some reason, and she shoots the guy who's got the uh, detonator. Yeah, she's What's in Orange Is the New Black. Like I recognize her. I was like, "Who the fuck is this?" And she plays the mother of one of the characters in Orange Is the New Black. Is that Elizabeth Rodriguez? Yes. Oh, and uh, Naomi Harris. Nothing about her performance, but she is a beautiful lady. Like she is absolutely gorgeous, and I never really noticed until I watched this movie. She's phenomenally beautiful. Anyway, that's Miami Vice for you. Mm. Oh, and it looks terrible. Like the digital photography, it looks like shit. It looks like they shot it on cameras that were older than the ones they shot collateral on. I don't know how that's possible. Although I did watch it on Amazon, so like maybe the transfer is bad or something, but mm. it's just so noisy and disgusting looking. Oh, that reminds me. Um, when I when I watched the Matrix movies on Netflix, I yeah. thought they looked fine. That's fair. Yeah, because I remember both of you guys were Didn't like, that- they kind of looked like shit. I don't well, I w- remember I was having saying a ne- that. I think I was having oh, a Netflix okay. issue. Oh, okay. I think he okay. said that. Yeah, I don't know if I said that. Oh, yeah, because okay. okay. Magnolia also looked bad, and I was like, Magnolia doesn't look bad. No. Right. Magnolia is beautiful. Okay, do you have, Kevin, do you have anything else? Because I have one more. Uh, I got two, but I can go through them pretty quick. Yeah, blaze uh, through those two. Yeah. Uh, my brother and I rewatched Orange County, which is a movie that both of us had. We saw it in the theater. Um and uh it was it's it's a movie that's like we quote constantly so like it was uh streaming on Amazon Prime so we decided to watch it and it's still holds up pretty well it's pretty funny wow. so four four out of five for that one and i haven't i haven't seen that since the theater yeah um uh we we saw it at the uh it was the i think it might have been the second to last one we saw at the Segan Village theater because I know for sure the last one I saw there was the Aqua Teen movie, but I think <laughs> I think this might have been the last one before that one. <laughs> it's the best theater in Baton Rouge. Yeah, it was for a little while. Um, and let's see. So then I rewatched Goldeneye because, like, um, I lately I've been wanting to get uh Nintendo sixty four or any or like you know, something that I can play like Nintendo games on again. But a lot of like Nintendo 64s are like $200 or, you know, like, yeah. Or like even on eBay, like some of them are like 70, $80. And I'm like, eh, that's a little too much. Like I only want to play like a couple of games. So I'm not ready to make that kind of investment. Download an emulator. Yeah, I probably should. I 
don't know how. I'm much not sure that gaming they... capacity this MacBook Air. Oh, has, your Air but... compl- complete in 64 games. Okay, okay. Yeah, uh, then no I'll problem. I yeah, I'll it. may may have to look at, look into that. Um, but yeah, so like I've been watching like playthroughs of some games, mostly uh, Perfect Dark, which I played a lot on Nintendo 64. So that got me to rewatch Goldeneye, the uh, Bond movie. Which I actually, like, that might have been the first... It was, probably was the first Bond movie I ever watched. And I actually still enjoyed it quite a bit. Like, I like Pierce Brosnan very much as Bond. Um, and uh, I'm not going to... Well, John can correct me on this. Uh, Do it. Ch- Checky... Checky Cario. Yeah, Checky Cario. Is he Cario. in that? Yeah, he's uh, Defense Minister Mishkin... And he's he's great. I love Jackie Cario, man. He's fucking fantastic. He's, he's, he's so been, underrated. He's really good in The Messenger. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and then there's another film called uh, action movie called Kiss of the Dragon that he's the villain in. Okay, I really like him in that. Yeah, and uh, like uh, Lafemme Nikita again. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, I re- I really like Goldeneye. Uh, four out of five. Nice. I haven't seen Goldeneye in many many years. Mm. Never been a big Bond head though. Yeah, but uh. All right, so like I said, I'm changing out my Blu-rays, coming across ones that I have not watched but have owned for several years, and uh, came across Beautiful today, um, actually yesterday, put it on the pile, watch it today, and um, Beautiful is a Alejandro Gonzalez Inarritu film from 2010, starring Oscar nominee for this movie, Javier Bardem, mm. um, and it's about a guy who's like a, he's sort of like a con man slash overseer of illegal workers in Spain. He gets these Chinese guys, people to work like families and stuff to work for this uh, Chinese company that is making fake purses. And then he kind of oversees the people selling the purses on the street, the Africans selling the purse on the street, purses on the street. So you can already see how this is going into an Inuritu style, Babel style kind of narrative where you're following Bardem, but you're also following the Africans who sell the purses. You're following the Chinese people who make the purses and the Chinese uh, people who own the factory. And therein lies the flaw of the film because the story of Bardem is potentially powerful. He He's a, a father of two. His wife and he are estranged because she's a bipolar drug addict whore and like a literal whore like she sells herself and um he uh he finds out he's dying of cancer so he's trying to deal with that while also going around to funeral homes and communicating with the dead bodies for money from their families which you know you like you, you like that's pretty like uh slime bally but then there's like all kinds of little just little tiny things in the film that are leading you toward the assumption that he actually can talk to the dead you don't ever actually see him talking to the dead like he just mm. like grabs their hand like the body's hand and he'll like pray over them or whatever but there's just like little weird things like at one point really early in the movie he's he's walking he goes through a, a glass window like door like you know like a entrance to a place and he closes it behind him and the shadow, like his reflection in the in the glass is not where it ought to be. And it's like moving in a different direction than he's moving in. And then there's another scene where he, he's looking at his fork while he's eating. And like the fork shadow is moving differently than, his, than it should be because he's just holding the fork, you know. And then uh, 
Oh man, there's one more that was really good actually. Oh, well there's one. Okay. So at one point there's a bit of a tragedy in the film and some people die. I don't want to ruin it, but, um, he sees you, you see their spirits or what you can assume to be their spirits, like hanging out on the ceiling behind him, but they're out of focus. It's like really creepy and effective. (laughs) But anyways, all that stuff's really good. The problem is, you know, when they veer off from Bardem into, you know, the the side stories with the Africans and the Chinese, and you're just like, I don't even know who the fuck these people are. Who cares? And uh, it's like two and a half hours long because of those stories. Mm. Like if you shave those out, it'd be like a nice, you know, hour 50 or something, and you could get, get through with it. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's just unfortunate. And the way it ends is like really powerful, but it's kind of undercut by the fact that you've got all these other storylines that they're trying to wrap up to. And I don't know. I didn't love it. It's, uh, I need to rewatch his first. I haven't seen a Maurice Peros or 21 grams in so long. Mm. And I'm sure that I will not like a Maurice Peros nearly as much now, <laughs> but I feel like I might like 21 grams. Huh? I, I agreed. Probably not. Yeah, you. Well, you hate Inuritu. So this is a, something I didn't realize. No, no, no. Jr. hates Inuritu. Like he literally <laughs> doesn't like any of his films. I was looking at no. your star ratings. You dislike this guy. He hates The Revenant. That's, he hates uh, Birdman. He doesn't I like hate new. I hate new Inuritu. Amoris Peros used to be one of my top ten favorite movies. Well, Amoris Peros is everybody's so favorite movie when they're nineteen, of well, course. <laughs> yeah, and I also love Twenty One Grams, and I loved Babel, and I never saw Beautiful. Um, I know that I, I was I was shocked to see that you hadn't seen this movie, but then I realized you don't like Inaritu. It's cool. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Well, when was the last time you watched uh, Babel or um, or Twenty One Grams? No, a long time ago. Yeah, you so probably I, hate I those too. It. I don't know if I'd hate them. I suspect they would not be the five out of fives they used to be. I'm probably going to rewatch Birdman and the Revenant soon. And I'll, I will want your opinion on them. Cause I do not, I don't remember oh. you talking about them and I don't understand oh. what you don't like about them. <laughs> These are fantastic films. You don't have to watch them. Just, just explain. <laughs> but if I don't, like I don't have a fresh opinion. I don't, oh. it's been rewatch. You know, it's been since <laughs> yeah. those movies around the theaters that I've seen them. Yeah. I've been meaning to rewatch the Revenant. Revenant's so. a beautiful film. I don't see why anybody would dislike it to a two and a half star rating. That's disgusting. <laughs> I think JR is wrong on this one anyway, but uh beautiful is okay. It's a three out of five, you know, hmm. I almost gave it a three and a half, but it's, the, the other storylines and the link just fucking ruin it. Right. Oh, I will say this though. It is, Easily, I haven't seen Babel in a while, but this is the best looking movie I've ever seen. That was been, that was shot by uh, Rodrigo Prieto, who's the uh, Scorsese's guy from Silence and Irishman. Mm. I think Silence is a good looking movie, but like you know, it's definitely got like digital moments. This movie is gorgeous, and it's shot on film, and it looks amazing. Nice. So that's all for me. Cool. So we're ready to jump into Coherence. Oh, uh, finally. Another, another, uh, another in a long line of bad decisions from uh, Jr. <laughs> Just kidding, Jr. Uh, this is directed by uh, James Ward Burkett or Beerkit from 2013, 13. according to Letterbox, and uh, stars no one. Some girl who was on the Highlander TV show. Yeah, we got a Highlander TV show. We got um, the director of Hustlers, Lorraine uh, Scafaria. Oh fuck! Got, that's exact. I I saw her. One of her credits was for Hustlers. I was like, oh, she was in that movie. That's weird. I forgot that she directed. <laughs> that's so weird. The and then uh, of Nicholas Hustlers. Brendan, who was Xander yeah. and Buffy. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's good. It's good shit. But uh, no, I, I I wanted to watch. Uh, I wanted to watch this again just because I remember liking it a lot. Because I remember it giving me very strong like primer vibes. You know, like a really mm. a, a no a no budget sci-fi movie that is done cleverly but is imperfect. And uh, you know, spo- spoiler, I still feel that way. It's you know this group of eight friends uh, meet up to have dinner it happens to be the night that a comet is passing very closely to uh earth and um from the get-go it's like things start going haywire like phones are breaking um it's you know messing with electronics things like that and uh they get stuck in what appear you know i don't know the right words for this basically like a this reality loop where uh multiple um you know, alternate like universe situations are kind of like folding on top of each other because of this comet. And anytime someone tries to leave the house, they, uh, they won't necessarily end up at the house. They just left. They'll end up at a kind of doppelganger house. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it kind of gets out of control with, you know, who's from what reality. But again, I, I it, it's not a movie where I look at the plot and I'm like, oh, this is super serious and very moving. It just it's kind of clever and I enjoyed it. And it's the kind of independent movie where um, somehow the not great actors don't totally ruin it for me. Well, what'd you guys think? Well, uh, just excuse me. I'll start off Go ahead. by saying that <laughs> I found that the acting was not an issue for me yeah in the film i i think the acting is actually one of the more admirable things going on in the movie i mean they're all doing what they i mean the fact that they're improvising is impressive um reading about how they did this is uh right it it hurts my head like they (laughs) like the actors were basically given notes every day that they felt there was only filmed over five days uh with like their motivations but no, they don't know what anyone else has. So they just, yeah, coming up with the dialogue on the spot. Is, yeah, and I wild. will say some of their decision making seems flawed. But then when you read about the fact that, like, okay, for instance, like you know, you would think if you're like if I'm this person, why would you let that person into the house without vetting them and seeing what's going on? But then you read that they did do that. They did a scene like that, but it lasted like 45 minutes, and they they don't have time for that. They've got to get the movie going, so the director has to step in and say you have to let him in. And I'm like, well, okay, that's that's the. I mean, that's just the fault of the of the structure of the film right or of the making of the film like if you're yeah. going to have them improvise you 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 have to rein it in at some point i guess but and that's unfortunate yeah i think he i feel like if the if that was an issue he shouldn't have said simply okay just let him in and we'll go from there he should have written something you know for that part like write lines for that for that part <laughs> like and that's like a i i was kind of justifying some of the decision making and and also some of the just kind of like who is who is like acting aware enough of what's going on. Cause it does seem like, you know, we figured out there are doppelgangers, you know, and before they know that there's three houses, four houses, you know, more and more, it still seems like they're struggling to accept the basic concept. And, uh, I kind of justified that with like seven of these eight people have been drinking and shit's going crazy. I don't know how like aware and like, I don't know how much of my head I would have at this point. 
See, with all this stuff going wrong, but I don't know. Not to... I'm sorry, Kevin. You'll have a moment in a second. <laughs> I, I just have to speak to what he just said because I, I feel like I think the opposite. Like the, the, I feel like they accept it way too quickly. Like it's like he reads about Schrodinger's cat in the book and it's like instantly everybody understands exactly what's going on. And like, oh, then our reality will fold into their reality. Oh, I get it. Well, it's just like they, I, they I don't buy that, it at but all. Then they still... They say that, but then they still act like they're not. Oh, sure. I mean, yeah, sure they, about things, right? But I, mm. I just feel like they understand it way too quickly and, and are like yep. ready to accept the fact that oh yeah, sure, there's a comet heading over and there are multiple realities. I get it. It just <laughs> seems completely ridiculous. Like nobody would accept that. You would immediately think something is going on that it's a prank or some kind of shit's happening. You know right. what I mean? Like, right? You would not immediately run to this crazy speculative fiction idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did like the first couple of weird things they did. You know, there were like nervous laughs and, you know, trying finding other explanations before they flip then, uh, out yeah. when the person knocks on the door. And I was like, why, well, are, just, why like, are they flipping out dark. so hard? It's like somebody knocked on your door. You're like screaming and running around. Like, what are you yeah. calm to answer the fucking door? What's the big deal? Like, <laughs> they act like everybody, suddenly the power uh, went out. Everybody's going to rape them and kill them. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know. That part bothered me. Kevin, sorry. Please, <laughs> your thoughts. Uh, I I thought this movie was shit. Oh! <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, JR. You're my friend. You I love you, you but I thought, this, I thought this movie was fucking terrible. So, okay. So, I, I, really, I really don't like all these scenarios of, like, all these quote-unquote friends... Who actually really don't like each other? Yeah, that's true too. They all hate and, each other's guts. Yeah, and like, and that's the thing too. Like, they they all hate each other's guts. But by now, they're all in like their mid forties. Yeah. So by this time, they can be like, okay, I don't like that person. I'm not going to go over to their house for a party. But you could also look at it like they're locked into those relationships because yeah. they've had them so long. True. Too late, too late to make new friends. You know. I I don't know. Um. I yeah. I so. so Right, right away. I didn't like that. Didn't like that scenario and the whole like you know everybody's sleeping with everybody else. I thought that took away from well, it that, too much. And that's, that's an exaggeration. I mean, there are two <laughs> different. There are two different affairs going on. Yeah, and and like everybody knew about this, but me. Like, oh I also God. feel that like is, that is my least favorite scene. I hate that too because yeah. I feel like and he's really overreacting. Like I was like, that's this should have, they slept together once twelve years ago? You're this upset? You're gonna cost yeah, the like, guy before, and knock him out? I mean, <laughs> a, and yeah, and like I think before they even got together, if I'm remembering correctly. Anyway, but but yeah, and and like yeah, all of, all of all of the just instantaneous bitchiness and panic with all of them like yeah I, I i just i and then and then everything trying to like oh well this could happen that could happen like like honestly it made me want to watch primer again because i was like okay i want to go back and watch a movie that handles time travel and stuff or like paradoxes in a much more in a much better way um, cause like, yeah, I, it, I really, I really like, I really liked primer and yeah, I, you know, like, I like still you said, need to no watch budget. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I like, like primer. I like primer much more than this movie. Yeah. But, uh, and, and I do like that primer is content to let you mm. try to figure out what the fuck is going on. Whereas this one is, yeah, 
is almost like a I'll call it like a pop version of primer because it wants so badly to explain everything so that you're not lost. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's the thing, like, but that's the thing, like, the thing, too, for me, it was like, okay, it's just enough for you to try to get an explanation, but then as soon as you are getting close to it, it rips it away for, like, something else with, like, uh, you know, what's her, you know, what's her face trying to basically get with the guy again in the hallway, and then, Lori. Like, yeah. Lori. Yeah. And, like... Yeah, it for me it was just way too like if you want to have like some of the um you know human relationships in the sci-fi movie like you need to have better writing and like I didn't know that all or, or I didn't have, know, have any writing yeah I like I I didn't I didn't look I didn't look up the movie except to like he didn't care to woman. read about it at all. <laughs> It's like fuck this movie. Well, well, like the 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 woman with the white hair who brings the drugs. She's from Highlander, the TV show. Well, I thought I for me like she looked so familiar. I thought she was from that episode of Seinfeld with the big salad. Oh, she does look like uh, yeah. Yeah, she her, looks like her. Elaine's work coworker or whatever. Yeah, but apparently it's not her. Um, but yeah, and yeah, and I feel like Nicholas that lady <laughs> was older at that time than this lady yeah, you're is probably, now. You're probably right. <laughs> anyway. Um. But but yeah, like for for me, like just just having to be with all eight of those characters for so long was just way too much. I just could That's not. Fair. Yeah, there, there was no point in the movie where I could kind of even think about the plot or enjoy what was going on because it always ends up going to somebody bitching about somebody else, whether it was related to the um coherence of the dimensions or whatever or if it was some like you know ever since he started drinking he's not the man i married like well like he only uh, started drinking three minutes ago so that was kind of a weird line yeah (laughs) like and he's uh, probably not the man you marry because he's from the other house well yeah wink wink what a mind fuck i know (laughs) But but yeah, uh, and and then and then JR like, is so mad. He wants to defend this so bad. <laughs> oh no! I mean, I, I totally well, understand well, well, where, I don't you're, know. where you're at there. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, and then like the the ending, I thought was just beyond well, stupid. Let's, let's stop because I don't want to get to the ending yet because I have okay. a lot of other things to okay. say. Um, so the um, okay, my the first the, okay, <laughs> I really uh, hated the cuts to black. Like the Jarmouche Stranger in Paradise kind of uh, cut to black every five seconds because I understand why they were there, and it's a it's a way. I, I made to, a note about that. Yeah, at the beginning, it's not even like it, it's clear that you know. I, I think cut to black. I think time is passing. Sure, but that's yeah. not what's happening. Yeah, uh, I, I'm guessing that the cuts to black were like a, I don't know, like a misguided visual foreshadowing that like the dark spaces is where. You know, mm. people will get lost in the different reality. Yeah, that's what I got from it. But but also, I mean, I think there is time passing at some points. I mean, like there's one yeah. when they're in the kitchen and then it cuts to black and then it comes back and they're like done with dinner. But I mean, it's just it feels lazy to me. It feels like you can just do that with normal cuts also. Like it seems like it's just some kind of like right. extra thing we want to do to differentiate mm-hmm. ourselves. And I don't think it works because this movie is ugly as shit. Like it looks really bad. Like it looks like it was shot on like iPhone or something. And uh, 
the cinematography is garbage and it's like really shallow focus concept. It was probably shot on DSLR to be honest because I mean the, the focus is so shallow and it's like going out of focus on people's faces and stuff because they don't because they're constantly moving the camera around. Um, so it, it's like amateur hour sort of, <laughs> and so it kind of rubbed me the wrong way and left a bad taste in my mouth like instantly. Like I was like five minutes in and I like really hated the movie like a lot and I. I would have given it like a like a point two five, but it came up from that, you know, because there are things that happen later that I'm like, that's that's sort of interesting. But um, I was going to ask Jr. is is this a is this a technical mumblecore film? Because it feels like a mumblecore film. Like, is this in that genre, or is that even a thing? I don't think so. No, I I mean, I don't know the the mumblecore genre. I mean, really, just feels like it's Joe Swanberg, you know, kind of just felt like it, that was people wanting to put the no budget drama with, uh, the male protagonist into some sort of thing. Um, cause I, I feel like only Joe Swanberg movies and maybe like the puffy chair are talked about as, uh, as mobile core, maybe like an Andrew Jarecki movie. Well, yeah. Baghead from the guy that did the puffy chair. Yeah. I what, were the, what were their no, names? They're brothers, right? Uh, yeah. Fuck, they're on du- HBO Duplass. now. Duplass. Yeah, Duplass brothers. Yeah, the guys from uh, Mattery. Are they? Uh, <laughs> they suck. Uh, the <laughs> but no, I just, it just felt like one of their films or like one, of, except without all the crash zooms, you know, like random zooming and yeah. in and out. I know. mean, I don't know. Is, is Mumblecore still was Mumblecore still a thing in two thousand thirteen? That's a great question. See, I don't know how long it lasted or if it's technically still talked about or what. Because I know they're yeah, not they're know. not technically doing that anymore because they have budgets now. Right. I mean, it feels like Mumblecore was, you know, like two thousand four to maybe to Baghead. Was it's Baghead just like, like two thousand nine. Yeah, something like that. I, I just feel like it's a it exists in the same world as a lot of these high concept. Uh, like Twilight Zone episode movies, you know, like um, the one I love or uh, the Time Machine one. I can't remember. Safety Not Guaranteed, you know, stuff like that where there's these really high concept speculative fiction, science fiction things, but with like no budget and no actors, (laughs) you know. And uh, there are some of those that work better than others, although I don't really care for any of them that I've seen. But... um. I would just say that this one doesn't. I think this one maybe has a more interesting concept, but it doesn't. Uh, I don't know, man. It just it just did not work for me. There was there were things that I liked about, like I liked the idea of. I remember the thing that brought it up a little bit. Like I was like really dreading the whole thing. I was just hating it, and I was constantly checking how much longer it was because <laughs> I just wanted to get the fuck out of there. But then uh, when M leaves the house and starts going to the other houses. I was like, that's an interesting idea that the whole neighborhood is just houses like their house. And it answered a question that I had earlier, which was when Hugh and the other guy leave the house for the first time, they go to the other house that has their power on to ask for the phone. But I was just like, why don't you just knock on another house and see if they have a, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just because their power's out doesn't mean they're all dead or something like the people in the other houses. But it makes sense. They're all the same house. And I mean, it doesn't make sense because they should have done that, but then it would have ruined that reveal, I guess. And that was one of the things that like kind of tripped me out too. It's like, okay, so like they go over to see this house. So supposedly this, they're walking into sort of a mirror dimension that they can visually see. They, 
And it takes them like another hour or so into the movie to realize it's the same house. And Hugh says that he knocked on the front door and nobody answered. So he went around to the side. They hear him knock on the side door, but they don't hear him knock on the front door. Well, I guess because it's not it's not that Hugh knocking on the door. It's a different Hugh from a different universe, which forever, re- whatever reason, came and knocked on only that door, right? I guess. And there's another issue I have, which is like, <laughs> yeah. like, okay, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with like the multiple world lines theory. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I've watched, as in as much as I've watched YouTube videos of uh, philosophers and theoretical f- physicists talking about this, mm. but like. If the, like the, there's an infinite amount of timelines in this theory, so if suddenly they become jumbled and they quote unquote collapse into each other, like in as much as you know all these houses are the you know doppelganger houses with doppelganger people, then there wouldn't be one person coming and knocking on your door. There'd be like th- seven million people coming and knocking on your door at once because there's like that. There's like an infinite number of people now and an infinite number of houses. So mm. it's like the 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 idea that there's just uh, he goes out and another person comes in. It's just like, it's it's kind of absurd. It feels like you'd see 15 of the same guy when you walk out on the street. You wouldn't just see one. It's like, yeah. oh, that's, a, but but I understand why that doesn't, it's not feasible for a movie like this to, to accomplish that. And it wouldn't, you know, lead into a, a storyline that's maybe as tense or interesting, but well, I and hate, there is, sorry, like, we don't, it's not all happening simultaneously. It seems like, you know, when when at when near the end, M goes to the happy house. It's like they haven't even had like a, a chance to go through most of the shit yet. It seems, which was odd. Mm. And, and also, like, how is no one's knocking on their door at all? No, I agree. Right. Which is man, that that's that's I feel like that's just yeah. problematic for the the conceit of the film. It just doesn't make sense that there would be a happy. I mean, it makes sense that there would be a happy house in that. But but except like in the normal in the normal world line theory, like there's a house that where nothing has happened yet. But in this theory, the world line theory doesn't even matter because they're all collapsed on each other, so they're all right next to each other. So something would have happened to everybody. Everybody would, yeah. you know. This is like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But and then the ending further complicates that because the the fact. I mean, so, spoilers. Uh, if well, uh, <laughs> always do the it's okay. I know. I'm just saying. Like I don't want to. I mean, this is like a particular movie where I feel like yeah, people would yeah, want to yeah. be spoiled, but. Spoiler, when M uh, knocks out, for some reason, her doppelganger and leaves her in the well, she tub. Was, she uses Chekhov's, uh, Chekhov's drug first. And then, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but she doesn't. And then I mean, the toilet. Like, why on earth would you knock her out and put her in the bathtub? Like, like you know what I mean? Like, yeah, what is the I, thought I thought process? She, I thought she had straight up killed her. Well, that's fine. Why would you kill her and put her in the bathtub? Like, nobody's yeah. going to find her body. Like, what are you thinking about? And so she yeah. must be thinking, oh, when this all when the comet passes over, she'll just vanish, right? She'll go back into her world line, mm. which also doesn't make sense because why would she just vanish? She's she's crossed into your world line now, so clearly she's still there. So that means that M is just insane or dumb. Mm. And yeah, then I mean, at the end of the film, lost. Yeah. Yeah, when, when she left, she looked like she was gone. Yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't. But, it, it's just, it feels feels just like convenient, like to have that button mm. at the end where she calls him. You know, it's just yeah, like it yeah. feels just like a convenient yeah. thing. Oh, we'll we'll not let's not have her actually kill the girl or hide the body or do anything smart about. Like she knows what she's trying to do. She's trying to replace her. Right. So get rid of her. Like, why would you put her in the bathtub? Like, what are you insane? <laughs> like, 
Yeah, and and but I mean, a fucking like, prison. Yeah, and like the whole thing, the whole thing of um, like, so like she's the first character that we see. So we're sort of holding her hand through this entire thing. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, for the most part, like she is the one kind of character that I think we're like kind of yep. along on along the ride with for. Um, but then all of a sudden it's like, nah, she's just a murderer. It's yeah. fine. I, uh, it's, it's just, it's just, it's just so she does out of character yeah, I, for I, what we have seen I from agree. her so she far. Goes far. She goes really far in the, I mean, she really, she's talking about somebody who accepts the conceit of the film. She, she really accepts yeah, it. Yeah. 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 I am in a different timeline and I'm able to kill this person without repercussion. Yes. <laughs> and it's also, you know, if we want to put like a, you know, a screenwriter mark on it. It's like a, she's the girl who can't make a decision. She literally like lost, you know, her job because she couldn't make a decision. Mm-hmm. She, and she has found this uh, new house where it is like, you know, it seems like, you know, this M said yes to going to Vietnam and that's why she wants her place. Um, but yeah, so she, 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 her narrative arc is I'm going to make a decision. Even if, uh, that decision is not very good for you the know, movie. You know, it's crazy that you say that because <laughs> I have a note about how thematically empty this movie is, that it has like no reason to exist outside of its concept because I didn't see any narrative arcs there. I, I guess I, I probably just wasn't paying attention to what the fuck they were saying at a certain point. I, I heard the word Vietnam at one point, but I was like, I don't know who they're talking about. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, you but know. It just the seemed... first time you heard Vietnam was like when Lori was like, she won't go to Vietnam with you? So something yeah some somebody talked about going to vietnam and i was like okay what you know that doesn't have to do with anything <laughs> so, I, so i just kind of stowed it away but anyways that's neither here nor there um i hate i was gonna say the one line that really drove me nuts was uh early in the film when uh hugh hugh is actually <laughs> he might be my favorite actor in the whole thing i, I agree i like the way actually, i like the I way like, he acted for like most Hugh of it. a lot yeah. yeah he was what he was the only overactor. Oh, I, I, I well, he does overact during during certain parts, but I felt like a lot at, of it. At he's, least he's he's all right. He's pretty it, naturalistic. Even if it is overacting, at least like it's more. I don't know. I I feel like it's more tangible than yeah. anything else it's that was something. going on. Nothing else is going on with anybody. Yeah, because like it's like you know, I hated the white haired lady. Like she was the worst. She, yeah, she was she was terrible. Like or she said, I'm sort of an empath, and I get this like feeling. I'm just oh, like, oh, my just. God cut her head off man this bitch sucks For real. it's like oh my god anyway but i was gonna say the line that hugh says uh where he's like i need to call my brother and they're like oh what for he goes oh you know he hangs out with all those theoretical physicists <laughs> like what yeah. he hangs out with all those theoretical physicists <laughs> why what the fuck are you talking it's just such a weird way to put it you know like yeah, all his friends are theoretical physicists you know all those guys yeah. <laughs> They'll know what's going on. Yeah, of course. So fucking dumb. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. I uh I really hated that line. And uh, I was going to say too, just like going along with the um the problem the motivation problems that I have like that the characters seem to have like they're constantly going over to this other house to figure out what's going on, but like when they get there, it like happens like 9 times when they get there they hear something or they see somebody and they're like, "We got to get out of here. Let's get out of here." <laughs> and they just run away immediately. Like what like you want to know what's going on? Why? Why? Like, what are you going over there for? Like to be scared? Yeah. Go over there, figure out what's going on, and then you can fix it and leave. You know. Yeah. But I, I mean, obviously, for as far as the film goes, <laughs> you, you can't have them figure out what's going on at that point. 
but it's yeah. like i mean it just feels like really ridiculous like why would they go they went all the way over there and then they see somebody inside which is what they're trying to do they're trying to get in touch with somebody who's inside there's somebody inside run away <laughs> and they, and they well, run away and then they see themselves with red glow sticks which is another fucking problem they, why do they have glow sticks in their home who has boxes of glow sticks is there a thing in you, is the narrative you don't know about what that? It was like to be in LA in <laughs> right? I mean, I, I was thinking like maybe I missed something about what they're like. Are they rave organizers or something? Like they just have these boxes somewhere? No, I mean, what, speaking I mean, speaking of LA fire ban, maybe they do glow sticks instead of <laughs> oh, candles right, and right, lights right. go out. That's the only thing I could think of. Even though they have a buttload of candles so in this bad. house, yeah, there are plenty of candles. Yeah. yeah, and that was another thing that like never to my to my recollection never got explained satisfactorily or otherwise there's an Amir Candles? and no there's an Amir okay. and a Hugh and both of them have red glow sticks so I guess that's like the first indication that they're in the wrong house well, but they have yeah. the red and the blue no later they, that's they, a different we, group they took, later when they have both it's because well, they took the those aren't the from, same two guys who took okay. those are the original two guys who left because they, they remember you guys they, hated this movie because you weren't paying attention. No, no, no. I remember that part because remember they came back How in. Can you? Pay they came back in and this? they started telling them what happened, and they were like, "We've already heard this story. Why are you telling us this again?" And then that's when they pull oh, out the red glow sticks. That's right. That's right. That's because right. they're like, "We're the same guy." So the other two guys who came in, who had been there the whole movie, they weren't even the the, the right guys, and that's why they took the box and all the shit. Although I have no idea why they took the box in the book, but they, I mean, I get why they take the book, but the box thing still confuses me. Like why they got pictures and wrote numbers. I still don't a hundred percent understand any of that. They I, wanted it to be like a marker at the front of the house. So like you yeah. could walk up to any one house and say, all right, is this my house or not? Even like the idea of it, I thought was clever. And I liked the idea of using the tone totems and colors yeah. like as identifiers. But I liked even more that, uh, it became very clear, very, very clear, very quickly that it's just not going to work. It's, well, uh, it's like why yeah, would why never, would they all never have, see it in practice? Yeah, and why would they all have the exact like? I, I understand they're all the same person in different universes, but that doesn't mean they're going to have the exact same idea in every universe. Like we'll get this box and we'll get pictures and put numbers on it. Like you would have like even if you had that same idea to have a an indicator in front of your house, you might do it differently. You know what I mean? So like the fact that they yeah. all have that same box. I mean, it's a clever thing at the well, end where they're like, "We don't know that they all have it. We know that." Well, we know that every bo- that they name three. they name like six or seven of them, don't they? They're like, "Oh, I had the bear, and I had the paddle, and I had the typewriter or the uh, stapler or whatever." Yeah, and like uh, the like the when they're actually filling up the box, they take the picture of Amir, and he's like facing the opposite way, but he's standing in front of the same drum than as uh, the w- the picture in the original box that they found. Um. Yeah. Oh, I and I had I just had like I, it's just you know the a movie like this is <laughs> is automatically so convoluted that you have like questions about things that like you're probably mm-hmm. not even gonna remember what I'm talking about here. But like, okay, ha, <laughs> I have the note. Why do they jump to the conclusion that the alternate Beth is napping? So like the Beth in their house is napping, and they're they um, they just immediately assume. Oh no, the, no, I'm sorry, not the Beth in their house. The other girl in their house is napping. So they're like. If she's not napping at the other house, that means Beth must be napping at the other house, which means we wouldn't know about the book. It's like, what? Like, how? That's such a weird conclusion to jump to. It makes no sense at all. Yeah. Like, okay, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Allow that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They, they, I don't know. These are not like super. 
they don't know what's going on. Uh, so the way that they like bullshit logic themselves into thinking what's going on is, yeah. I okay, mean, it's just like sense. I haven't seen Primer, but I feel like Primer is a lot sturdier than this movie, right? I mean, one hundred and ten percent. Yeah, it's just like cause there's shit in this movie that just makes Primer no sense at like, all. I know. I need to. I really. Primer is high concept, but otherwise is not right. Yeah, I will definitely watch it soon. <laughs> like, um, like I'll, I'll go ahead and like this isn't going to be a spoiler for Primer at all. But like one of the great things about Primer, very, very, very little explanation of what is going on, which I think is so tremendous of it that it's just yeah that it just gets on with it. How long does it take for the comet to pass? I mean, this thing seems to last hours and hours. A comet passes. I mean, you've seen a comet in the sky. Yeah, it passes yeah. pretty quick. Like, why is it taking no. so fucking long? What? Yeah, and then at, are you it, serious? Have you when, not? When, I've, when Haley's comet came by, you could like stay out there like all night and watch all night. It doesn't look. Yeah, it doesn't look like it's not a. Oh, the like fact a, that they're close. A meteorite going. It's not a shooting star. It looks like a a star with like a little trail. The comet passing does not look like what they showed either. Yeah, especially I since mean, it was breaking up at the end for whatever reason. You, you like get out your telescope and you sit there for hours and you can watch it because it just looks like a star. I'm looking it up, bud. <laughs> I'm looking up how long it takes in the sky. Yeah, because it doesn't. It Twenty six also- minutes. Twenty bullshit. I know. I'm just kidding. I made that up. <laughs> there you go. One second. Let me look. Well, if it's 26 minutes in this dimension, then that must mean it's 26 times 2 in the next dimension. <laughs> or, I mean, how did... I don't understand. When was the last time it passed? In 86? No. In no. So there was... 86. What's the other comet that passed? 2061 like is the next time it will pass. Haley. But there's more than one comet. Okay, I'm mm-hmm. just talking about... I'm talking about Haley, brother. <laughs> What's the one that like? What, there was one that just passed like relatively recently, right? Okay. Well, it, I will say this. Okay. So, I, I, yeah. Okay. I don't know anything about it. It seems like I, I would have assumed it crossed like a, like I don't know how close it is to. They say it's close to the Earth, which is why. So, if the closer it is to the Earth, the shorter time it's going to be in the sky, right? Okay. It's, I mean, that's my thought. Assume. Yeah. Like if like satellites in the atmosphere, you see them pass over, it takes like five minutes. You know. Right. I mean? Right. Right. So. Uh, it says, but it says in 1991, Haley displayed an outburst that lasted for several months. But I'm guessing that's like an explosion or something that you just saw, like the mm. remnants of. I don't know. There's no, yeah, there's no, no information on about how long it takes. Anyways, I believe you. I don't really. I mean, it's just it was just an it was just a thought I had. I was like, it seems like it's taking a really long time. But right. um, uh, well, especially since like you have no concept of time in this movie. Like nobody, like everyone's phones are busted, and nobody. I think. Somebody in there probably had a wristwatch, but like they would, ne- but they never thought to look at it. Well, also they're like, well, I guess that's not relevant. Yeah. I was gonna say about the phone thing, but I guess I mean nobody, nobody's on a landline, so because well, like, yeah, landline, they, were, landline, they were asking about like, yeah. if anybody had a landline and nobody did. Uh, my favorite line of the movie—it's not even a line I like very much. I just like I like that it's said, which is when he says, "If there are a million different realities, then I have slept with your wife in every one of them." <laughs> I was like, why would you say that to the, that's going to make him want to hit you even more. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, um, I, so I both hate and like that scene. I don't like Hugh having, I, I don't like the whole, you slept with my wife thing. Right. But I do really like the way Nicholas Brendan tries to like squirm out of it by trying to ex- 
explain what's going on. I'm not trying to explain why I slept with your wife 12 years ago. Um, I'm not the guy who slept with this version of your wife. Yeah. That's what he's saying, right? (laughs) I think he started with that, but then he was like, nah, fuck it. I uh, I don't understand. So I I do like that. Uh, that leads to Hugh punching out Mike. But then uh, when he gets up, another Mike comes in and beats up Mike, which uh, causes something I don't understand, which is uh, Bess nose bleeding and it getting on Laurie and Laurie just absolutely losing her shit mm. when that blood's on her and starts like half taking off her dress. I feel like uh, oh, see, I didn't we even were... I didn't even get that. I I had no. I thought she was just freaking out because of like the no. situation, or she was like losing mm-hmm. her mind because of she what was, was like going... yelling, "Get it off me!" Like the blood. And I, I definitely feel like uh, editing took away some key point to let me know what the fuck was going on. She has a blood phobia. She talked about it. Just kidding. Like <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I did pay attention to this movie. I don't think that happened, but that's the um, thing. It's plausible. <laughs> Anyway, so, uh, you know, I could sit here, you know, probably for, for two hours more and hear more complaints about this, but, um, so ratings just cause we're, we're almost at like two hours and 45 minutes. You know, if we, oh, yeah, if we yeah, all yeah. live to a relatively normal old age, we're going to see Haley's comment. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. 2061 will be like in our late seventies. Right. If we, if we live. Mm. Um, my rating is uh, one. This movie sucks, Dick. Same, yeah. same too. Yeah, uh, you guys are so wrong. It's a four. <laughs> <laughs> it's a four. <laughs> Such an absurd rating. It's like his his uh, his found. Remember Winston with found? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's okay, a good that's movie. A, yeah, that's this a good a, comparison. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Which was funny too. Like Winston had nothing but. Like he had such a love and appreciation for for that movie, and I think he only gave it a four. He only gave it a four, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, but he which was like was so defending funny. the fuck out. He's like, "This movie's so here's, great! Oh my god!" Here's yeah, a yeah. Uh, real quick. Here's here's a critic I like talking about the mumblecore issue. He made a note about it. Uh, mumblecore does not mean people under the age of fifty talking a lot. This film is not even remotely mumblecore. If anything, they're all absurdly articulate. I was surprised to learn that the dialogue, yeah, blah blah blah. Uh, so not not mumblecore according to this. I Greg. mean, mumble. I I don't think of mumblecore as being about people literally mumbling. I mean, if you well, watch if you watch Baghead, like they're not literally mumbling yeah, in the film. But, so Baghead's just like a really shitty example of mumblecore. Also, sure. Like, I mean, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's a I horror mean, I, movie. It's not. Watch I mean, any Joe Swanberg movie made between the years of 2005 and 2010, and I that, won't do that. But I, I hear you. You shouldn't. <laughs> I won't. That that will tell you what mumblecore is. Mm. I got the closest I got into that was watching Baghead, and then watching like you know like the. I don't know, pseudo early Thai West movies, which are like, you know, mumble horror, whatever, you know, videography. <laughs> what was, what was Thai West before House Bef- of the Devil? Before House of the Devil, he did a, um, this, some movie about a sniper and it was shot on video. It looked like shit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not aware of that. He's House of the Devil's all right, but he's, he's not good. <laughs> All right. All right. So the next episode, <laughs> Kevin, redeem us. Pick something good to watch. No, okay. Fair share. 
So we are going to watch. Actually, hang on. Yes. You should really think rethink this now. Let's uh-huh. punish JR. He punished us. What? What movie oh, does he hate? No, just kidding. <laughs> Do the Revenant. This, I don't even know. Do this the is Revenant. the only time I've picked a bad movie. <laughs> only only time I've picked a bad Well, you guys have picked plenty of bad movies. <laughs> I'm 90s just kidding, crap you make me watch. Okay, okay. <laughs> hey, Ricochet <laughs> was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Kevin, your pick for next week. Next, okay, so weeks. next week we are going to be getting into some animation. We oh, are, dear. Yes, we... <laughs> We are going to watch Heavy Metal. Oh, okay. That's okay. Yeah. I just bought that on Blu-ray when I bought my new TV, so uh, <laughs> that'll be good to have to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> I posted on uh, on Facebook, on, no, on Criterion Collectors, uh, a, a group on Facebook, and somebody said uh, that they watched the Decameron, the Pasolini film on Criterion Channel, because it's, it's, the trilogy of life is leaving this month. And I, I posted back, I said, well, I own this on Blu-ray, so I can safely ignored for the rest of my life (laughs) (laughs) just sitting on my shelf I don't ever need to watch it (laughs) no fear of it leaving but um (laughs) pretty good thank you Uh, but yeah so next time we'll be watching Heavy Metal uh, directed by someone Uh, Gerald Potterton Gerald Potterton from 1981 and yeah join us write to us at at gmail.com Visit our website at filmyak.podient.co. And until next time, thank you for listening. Have a great one.